Welcome, welcome. You are listening to the discussions. Welcome, welcome. We are getting into season three here of the discussions podcast. My name is Eric Castro. To the right, we have Scott Henry. Scott, we are joined today by my. Well, today is his last day as my boss. Yeah. This is it. It's today's the final day of your contract as a teacher and. After today, you will become an administrator intern. And really pulling up the curtain. And listen, it's here. This is exciting. I know. Well, it's like remember that one time last year. You're like, I can't wait till we send pictures of our little recording studio here. But we've upgraded. We got a big TV in the room now. Yeah, there is a nice TV (laughs) and the couch. Spending that administrator money. Ashley Furniture Special bought this couch uh, when we got married. I think it was $200, and it's now 10 years old. So just to think about that, it's 200 It was worth $200, and it's it's now 10 years old. And every stain tells a story. (laughs) (laughs) Every stain tells a story of a 9-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 2-year-old. Anyway, we here have... Mr. Elder, well, Elder, Brad Chapel. Yes. will you tell us where you served and when you served? Uh, I served in the Australia-Brisbane mission uh, between uh, February of 2000 until the end of January 2002. And how do you pronounce? Yeah, I would say, is, is Brisbane the American Br- saying yeah, of Br- it? No, Brisbane is the correct way to okay. say Brisbane it. Is. Brisbane is. Brisbane is the incorrect okay. way. So when I read my mission call in uh, November of 1999, of course, I came out with Brisbane, Australia. But yeah, Brisbane is correct. Nice. I, we're really excited. We've had just one person in Australia, Matt, right? Yeah. We haven't, uh, Matt Evans. We haven't interviewed anyone else, right? No. Um, and he went to, um, not Brisbane, Melbourne, 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 Melbourne. Yeah, but Melbourne, yeah, right. that's how you would say it. Um, so we're excited. And we also have here, we're going to do the same thing we do with Matt. Should we open this now? I think you, you should. You had them in the fridge. I did have them in the fridge, but then they were here for a month. And so they ended up in the food storage. We, we, we had, had a some... false start with this, with yeah. this. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. We tried to start this and then it Technical didn't work. Difficulties. I blame Eric. Let's, I would blame me as well. Um, here, we're going to open our, we've All got right. Bundaberg. Bundaberg. What do you have, room temp, what do you have to say about ginger beer? Well, uh, ginger beer. So first of all, Bundaberg was bordered my last area on my mission. My it's, very a, last area. it's It's pop. in my mission. That was a good pop. Is it a, it's a city then? It's a city, yeah, in, uh, <laughs> in Queensland, which is the uh, state that I was in. Oh, nice. This is, I'm, a, I'm worried I'm going to stain your couch Do you know, a little more No, here. it's already. Do you know how to open that? No. Oh, wow. Did you hear that? I don't think they did because I dropped the mic when I pulled it out. Hmm. Invert bottle before opening. Because you got to get the roots all up in there. Oh, I didn't do that. I am good with these every now and then. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't drink these, like, weekly or even monthly. But every now and then, like, I'm I'm fine with it. Yeah. This is jumping ahead a little bit, but on your mission, was this a thing? Like, like is this a common thing, or is this, like, the kitschy drink that Americans drink here. Yeah, I mean, we'd see it in the stores okay. and and people would buy it and drink it and say that they liked it because, you know, it it was a thing there. But yeah, I see it here almost just as much as I see it there and it's really? more more novelty, okay. I think, than anything. Is it cuz like in Brazil like Guaraná is the the national soft drink there, but it's very popular there. Like there's everyone drinks Guaraná. It's I like Coca-Cola. Wondering. Yeah. 
this but is not Coca-Cola okay. in Australia. Didn't you say they have multiple brands? Yeah, tons of different brands. There's like like the Holy Grail is it's, it's called Jesus Guadagna. It's from like the Northeast, and like they're very. But what's the one we have here? Sell. It's it's Antarctica. That's right, and that's like the that's most right. popular version. Hmm. But there's like cheap knockoff like Shasta Guadagna. Like there's like. <laughs> It's like a cola, but it's, I mean, it's not cola, but it's similar to that. Where here we have, you know, Coca-Cola and Pepsi. And I would name a, a band Shasta Guarana. I think that's a great that's name. A, that's not a bad idea. <laughs> um, all right, Brad, we're going to get right into this, Brad. Um, we always try to start from the beginning. Um, growing up, what were the expectations like coming from your your family or friends as far as serving a mission? Low. Low expectations in my family. I've shared a little bit about my family with you. Um, we we weren't super active growing up, but but what's kind of cool, and and I come from a blended family as well, or a split family, I should say. And so my parents divorced when I was in elementary school, and we all kind of went our separate ways. And I was the only one that went to live with my dad. And my brother lived with my mom for a time, but then he went to live with my grandmother, who is. A princess. My grandma was like a rock in our family. I mean, the most religious and actually like lived the gospel more than anybody I've ever met. Went, I mean, lived in a small town called Aberdeen, Idaho, and commuted to the temple every Thursday to do like three back-to-back endowment sessions. That's awesome. Yeah. So back he, when they were eight hours long. Yes. Yeah. Like, it, and it was Idaho. I mean, Idaho Falls, and I think if I'm not mistaken, they had some live sessions going. You know, for a lot of years. Because you had to get up and move to the yeah. different rooms and everything. Um, but my brother went to live with my grandmother, and through her influence, he served a mission to Sao Paulo, Brazil. Oh, awesome. And so I had him as kind of an example, and that's my brother, Brian. But it, it was really a friend that challenged me. I mean, I always kind of said I would never go on a mission. In fact, it's kind of funny. When I was in a seminary class that I had been kicked out of multiple times at Ogden <laughs> High School, um, <laughs> One of my friends said that I once said in the seminary class, dude, I'll only go on a mission if they send me to Australia. I don't remember saying that, but when I... hope I, it's true. That's awesome. I, I hope so, too, because I just think that's cool. He told me that I said in that same, same thing that I was going to put in my papers, and if I got sent to Australia, I would go... But if they sent me anywhere else or if they tried to send me anywhere else, I'd write no thanks and send it back. I don't believe I said that, but this dude, it's my friend Trent. He says I said it. He's a trustworthy guy. I believe him. So um, I had kind of low expectations or or really didn't think I would ever go on a mission. Um, And then I had a friend that uh, was going on a mission, and he challenged me right before he left to go on his mission in, like, August of 1999, He's like, dude, you should really think about you. He said, you should read the Book of Mormon, pray about it and think about going on a mission. And I said, I will do that. And I was living up in Idaho at the time. Why do you think you, 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 you took that invitation? Why do you think you accepted that? I think I felt something when he told me, like, I I sincerely think like there was, uh, I, there was a feeling that I needed to just do at least that. And I didn't have expectations with what my response would be or with what would happen when I did it. But um, so after his farewell that Sunday night, I drove back to Idaho where I was living and living with uh, one of my aunts. And um, on the Monday after work, I went for a drive and I brought a Book of Mormon with me. 
and I pulled over in this beautiful place by Pocatello, Idaho, called Scout Mountain, and I read from the Book of Mormon. And when I was done reading for a little while, I closed my eyes and I said a prayer. And I asked if I should go on a mission. And I got an answer like immediately, like one of the first times ever in my life. And it was very clear that I needed to serve a mission. That's awesome. Yeah, it was cool. Was that, was that like, was that, was that a burden or was that like an exciting, invigorating answer? Was it like, oh, geez, now I've, now I've really got myself into something? Or was it like, okay, this really feels right and this is what I need to do? Well, I'm glad you asked me that because it, it, felt like a burden. It felt like a huge burden, but my, but the answer was so clear. I could not deny it. it. In fact, this is kind of the funny part of the story is that Wednesday, my friend went on a mission and went down to the MTC and I came back down. I came down like almost every weekend at that time. I came down on Saturday, just a week later and he had given me his cell phone. Cell phones at this time in the late 90s were kind of a novelty. Yeah. Not everybody had cell phones. And his his cell phone was sitting on my dresser in my parents' home in Ogden, and it started ringing. And the only people that had the number were his friends. So, I mean, I was starting to give people the number and say, hey, look, I have a cell phone. But really, <laughs> I mean, it was just his. And I answered the phone, and it was him. He had returned from the MTC. <laughs> He, he was like, around. he was like, dude, that was hard. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you, I was like, how long were you there? He's like, I got back last night. I was like, well, you were there two days, and he's like, yeah. He's like, you know, and and I respect and love him, and I told him right up until the moment I left on my mission um, that it, he was the reason. Like, he was the reason I went on a mission yeah. because he challenged me, right. And he jokingly was like, right when I was getting ready to go, he's like, dude, it's hard. Don't do it. You know, and, and it, I think he was kind of like half being truthful, like, cause he didn't know if I was ready. And so sure. he was kind of challenging me. Um, uh, but I would tell, I would tell him like, no, dude, you got me into this mess. I'm going. And, um, and so right up until the end, like we kind of had that joke going back and forth and I ended up going, you know, that's crazy. I, I just think like the, like the answer to repairs, I, I think it's, it's such an interesting concept. I remember one of my very best friends when we were, uh, we were roommates in college together. He he didn't grow up a member of the church, and he was investigating the church and the missionaries and all this. And you know, it was weeks of him being taught. And finally, we were having a discussion. I was like, "Well, like, have you prayed about it yet?" And he's like, "No." And it's like, "Well, why not?" And he's like, "Well, because if I get an answer, I'm gonna have to do it." And it's like, <laughs> like knowing that, hey, like, like if I get an answer from God, and I even think, you know, Eric, you and I have talked about this, where, you know people in our lives have fallen away from the church and it's like, it's like they can't keep getting answers that it's true. And it's like, well, God's given you an answer at some point. Yeah. It's like, how often does he have to freaking remind you? Like, this is true. Right. And I think that's interesting thing. Like with answers to prayers, like it it becomes an obligation at a certain point. And it's like, it is, he's not holding your hand and reaffirming that. I feel like he's told you like, Hey, this is the right thing for you to do. Or the church is true or whatever it may be. It's like, okay, well then what are you going to do with that answer at that point? Yeah. And I think, I think like, we would always explain to people that the Book of Mormon promise where it says um, with real intent means that you have an in, you have the intent to act upon whatever if it says it. yes, then I'm doing it yeah. and I think that holds people back because I think the Lord does want an open heart like and the Lord's not and the Holy Ghost is not going to enter into the person who's already shut themselves off from well it doesn't matter and why would the Lord want to condemn someone even further by giving them an experience? which then they turn around and just say no to. 
Right. And, and I don't want to sound insensitive about people that have made the decision to leave the church because we all know and sure. love many people that have made that decision. But many of my friends who have made that decision have left it and then work really hard to avoid putting them in situations where they might remember that it is true. Yeah. Crazy. That's really cool. I've never heard that story. That's we've talked that's awesome. a lot. That's why I'm saying I never, I'm surprised because I've heard lots of stories from you, and that's awesome. Yeah. Um, so from then on, you decide you're turning your papers in. Um, what kind of support were you getting from your family as far as going on a mission? So when I, so I had to move back home to uh, Utah. I had kind of a not a super turbulent home life, but I had a home life that was kind of difficult for me. I didn't get along with all the members of my family, and so that's one of the reasons why I left to live in Idaho. Um, it was August when I, I told you it was early August when I was getting ready to make that decision to move back home. Um, and I had already, uh, applied before my answer came to go on the mission, um, to go to Idaho state university. Mm. And not long after I had made the decision to go on a mission or that I was going to move back, um, I found out from Idaho state that I was accepted and that I'd be able to attend Idaho state. But um, as as I told you that my mind was made up, I had I had to do this thing. You know, I was committed at that point. So I moved back home with my parents and began preparing, um, speaking with my with my bishop, who was a guy named uh, I think at the time it was Bishop Dab, uh, who was kind of helping me, which is kind of cool because he also served in Australia. And oh, so, awesome! That's cool. Yeah, and and so he kind of helped me to prepare. And um, my so he helps you prepare. He had served in Australia, and then you get the call, and it is yeah, that's cool. Yeah, uh, which was awesome. And and he was just a good good man. And he he passed away a few years ago. I went to high school with some of his kids, and and they they were a great family. Um, Fred Raby was also right around that same time was a bishop that helped me. Uh, my dad was always a good strong priesthood holder. Um, not to go back into too much about why I was the only child that made the decision to go and live with my dad. But I think that was kind of an inspired decision as well as when I was a kid, we got to kind of pick which parent we were going to go live with. And I chose at the age of about 10 that I needed to live with my dad. And and looking back on that, that I think that was because I would have the priesthood in my home and kind of helped me too. And even though I wasn't super active until I prepared to go on my mission, um, that helped me, you know, to see that yeah. example. Yeah. Right. No. And I just, I just finished reading a book called, um, saving, saving the faith, I think is what it's called by John Gee. Um, and he pulled all these stats, um, from this big, like 40, I think it was like 40 year study that they did on re- religious people in the United States in general. And just kind of talked about what they found about Latter-day Saints, what they found about other people. But basically, the end of the book, his, his, his message is, if you want your kids to be active in the church, these are the things you do. <laughs> and it's like, go to church. <laughs> like, like, the thing that'll impact your kids going to church most is you going to church. Right. Like, the end. <laughs> like, it's that, and then it's... And, and there were four things. It was it, There was prayer and scripture study and, and something else. And these were pulled from... This is empirical data supporting this, but it's funny that that... Even if you're not that active, you still have that influence in your life enough to, to, sense, to sense that, to sense that this is right. Or and, at least to go back on it and say, when you decide that you want to go through with it, you have some kind of support and baseline there. And, to and my, through my with. dad attended church every week, you know, and, and he would try to get me to go and, and I wouldn't or I would try to use some 
I've got to go to this farewell this week, or I would use some excuse <laughs> right. to go and be somewhere else. Um, I joked with my first companion that the first time I had ever been to one ward for four weeks in a row was when I was on my mission. <laughs> and that was true. I mean, my companion was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but all you needed to know was the Book of Mormon was true, and that's all you needed. Right. And that got you out there. That, that was it. Anyways, I, we won't harp on that too long. But um, so, so in preparation, you get out there. Do you want to touch on the price of it, like paying for a mission? Sure. How, how was... How was that? Like, what kind of do you remember what thought went into how I'm going to pay for my mission and who helped you out with that? Or if you decided to do it on your own? So, my dad was so awesome. He helped me with everything. I, I sold a lot of stuff that I had because I knew that I didn't need it anymore. So, I had a car. I gave my car to him. Um, I, I, I gave him things that I had and I just said, Hey, I'll, I'll give you everything that I have if I could go and do this. And, uh, my dad just said, I'll, I'll support you. This is, this That's is awesome. awesome. That is yeah. cool. That's so, good. So he helped me with that. And, and I think because I was so afraid of the MTC experience, because I had had a few friends, <laughs> friends that went tapped and out. tapped out after <laughs> 72 hours, um, I almost focused more on just, I just got to get through that MTC. I almost didn't, prepare myself enough for the actual mission because I was so concerned about the MTC. And then I got to the MTC and I loved it. But is the MTC hard because it's hard or is it hard because you're now away from family? Like, is it really that the MTC is rough? Because we've talked to multiple people who have either loved it or hated it. There have been some people in between, but there's a lot of people that have had some strong feelings about the MTC. Me in particular, I had a really hard time in the MTC. It was a very difficult time for me. Like my anxiety was raised to another level there. Well, I, I had already lived away from home for a time frame. I mean, I lived with my aunt out of state in Idaho and um, I didn't, didn't really love it in, in my home in, in Ogden all the time. It wasn't the easiest place for me to be. So when I got to the MTC, I was just like, I love that place. I, Ice I was, cream on Wednesdays. Yeah, I was like structure. hanging out with, I yeah. like had friends and there was good structure there. And like, we were laughing and having fun. And I, I was not expecting that. Like, honestly, I was expecting two years of sheer boredom, but two years of Sunday school. Yes. That's what I, honestly, <laughs> yeah. that's what I was kind of expecting. And then I got to the MTC and we were laughing and having fun and we were still doing the work and our, our, our MTC teacher kept telling us all the time quiet dignity quiet dignity because we were having so much fun but we were doing all the right things yeah that's funny we're we're a, we are a happy people i remember one time um talking to my former bishop we were leaving one a kid in the ward had gotten sealed in temple or received his in temple. i don't even remember what it was but we were leaving and some members were getting a little bit loud in one of the rooms where they were just changing shoes or something like that. And and uh, and one of the temple workers came and like kind of scolded everyone like, hey, we're in the house of the Lord. Keep it down. And my bishop got his take on it. He's like, we're just – he's like, it's hard, cause, but we're just a happy people. Yeah. We just – and I think about that all the time. Like we're very different from – and I don't want to bash on other Christian denominations um, – but from what I've, what I've viewed is sometimes people that are very strong in, in, in certain Christian religions and in other religions can be very, um, I don't want to say not happy, but like not well, going towards fun. Like, I feel like we have fun. Maybe, like we, maybe we, more somber. Yeah. Like, and, and, and I think as a whole, yes, we definitely do have members who are 
not fun. (laughs) I feel like I can say that, but I feel like a lot of leaders I've had in the church, a lot of the current leaders we have in the church are fun people. Who like to laugh and smile. Wasn't it Joseph Smith, lighthearted, light-minded? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I I feel Joseph was one of those. Joseph was one of those that uh, through his life a lot of time, people would say if you studied his life, he was light, light hearted, sometimes to a fault where people would say like, why is this guy all of a sudden we just preached and now he's do, like leg wrestling people or like stick <laughs> playing stick pole. Right. Remember, remember that story where somebody was going to interview him and um, he said, yeah, but first let's do well, this. Yeah, let's, do this. <laughs> let's, let's do this leg wrestle yeah. thing. And the guy's like, I couldn't, I mean, this guy's not a prophet. Look at him. And he's like, yeah, you're kind of proving my point here. You know, what's your motive? Right. Sure. And he said, he used that as a test against this guy to say, you know, you're, you're not here to interview me. You're here to find fault. Right. Anyways, I, we're, I, I like that. And I think there's a, there's a fine line. I think we can take, th- there are things that are sacred that we need to take seriously. I think that's for sure. But at the same time, like we've got, it's gotta be fun. Like the mission is fun. Yeah. Um, it yeah, needs yeah, to be, you have to find fun with it. Cause it'd be awful. Otherwise you yes. do. You, you could find a lot, not fun about a mission. I mean, let's face it. I mean, if, if you have that attitude, that's always sort of negative and looking for the, looking for the bad, you're going to find it. I mean, there's you're waking up early. You're working hard. I think of Angela from the office. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, unless you had a cat with you, right? Right. Right. Um, anyway, so let's talk about your, your MTC experience a little bit. You said you loved it. Um, Every minute of it. You didn't have to learn. You had to learn the Australian tongue. So yes, but you didn't have to stay there. So you're two and a half weeks in, something like yeah, that. Yeah, twenty days. Okay. Like that. Um, do you remember um, your your gym activities? Yeah, um, we we would play a lot of basketball. We would we we were there in winter time. I mean, it was February when I got there, and I think I left in March, like March first or something like that. What about uh, Foursquare? Did you play Foursquare? <laughs> That's a great question. I don't recall ever, oh, favorite, ever playing You missed Foursquare. out then. Not a true MTC there, experience. There's a lot of Foursquare in Australia. They're painted on every blacktop in the elementary schools. Really? Foursquare and netball are two sports that people play. When netball is like basketball but without a backboard. Is it mm. like in the middle of the court? Uh, they're di- different places i mean four squares over here in netball no 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 no, oh. no is the netball oh, hoop remember like i just remember it looked stupid <laughs> that's what i remember i remember thinking oh who forgot to put the back these idiots need yeah. a don't need a backboard Sh- shouldn't that ball yeah shouldn't that mean they're better at basketball probably, if they don't need a probably, backboard yeah did they i mean do they have like a professional segment of netball players? I don't Do you have any think idea? So. I think I think netball is like it's kind of an like element, like fun. like jacks or something, okay, sure. like tetherball. Tetherball. Yeah. No, there should be professional tetherball though, right? Yeah. Tetherball's a lot of fun. Yeah. Um. So so, like, so we we did not play. I mean, we played a lot of basketball. I I was not. I was a husky uh, young man. I was pretty hefty myself. So. Um, I'd go out and play basketball, but I'd mostly just goof off. And then I'd, I'd walk the track with some of my friends uh, that were in our district if, that didn't want to play basketball sure. or whatever. We don't, we don't have to stay on the MTC too long, but is there anything, anything you want to mention before we move on about the MTC? I, I think the thing that I would say about the MTC is uh, just, you know, for, for anybody who's contemplating going on a mission, don't, don't worry about that too much. Focus on preparing yourself for a mission. Don't focus on how bad something could be because because mm-hmm. i was so surprised by the mtc i loved it i loved that we got to go to the temple a couple times while we were there i loved that i mean there was so much positive 
Right. Um, Absolutely. They, 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 the orange juice there does something to your insides. I do remember that. <laughs> so I'd stay away from the orange juice. But um, I learned a lot about uh, reading people and about communicating with people. Reading agency. people? Reading people as far as like nonverbal cues. Um, and you okay? I want you to elaborate on this. It took you the MTC. You started learning yeah, about this, yeah, like being conscious of it. I had a teacher that, yeah, I had a teacher that was like really like, I, I think she was really hypersensitive to um, what we need to be prepared for, and and I don't know if she was kind of trying to just over prepare us or what, but she helped me. And we talked about this before the the, the podcast started about how. Sometimes you can, uh, sometimes you be able, you can recognize cues, right? We, right. We were talking yeah, about, about that, and she talked about that. Like she actually verbalized that to us in one of our meetings. Like you, you need to, you need to make sure that you're watching people to make sure that they're engaged. And if they're not engaged, you need to engage them. These are the, that's good. That's I, really good. These are the kind of things that like I, I've learned because I told you that I, we were talking about how like. I felt like I went through a stage in my life where I started realizing like, Oh, I'm, I'm talking a lot and it bothers people. Like where I had to learn in certain situations, I have to start reading how everything's going and like start looking at people and kind of figure it out. But there are some people who don't have that moment or like, don't like, just don't, I don't know if it's, they don't read social cues. Just being self-aware. Right, and, right. But do you think that's a curriculum that we often don't? We don't that's teach. We don't teach it. But, but, but they should, because oh, totally. I think this is one of my employees today asked me like what my background was, and I was like, it's like sales and marketing. And she's like, well, what did you learn with that? And it's like, well, it's about like building rapport with a person and figuring out what they need. And it's like everyone loves to talk about themselves, like that's right. human nature. But I think having the ability, especially as a missionary, where you're engaging with people, like really being able to read your audience and being aware of what. Like the reception is to that, I think is very important. It's pretty slick. I think that's pretty progressive for for them to be talking about that. Totally. Cool. And, and I remember one time I had a ring. I had a little pinky CTR ring, and um, I took it off while I was teaching a mock discussion, and I was playing with it, and I was putting it like near my mouth, yeah. and I mean just awkward, weird stuff. And she stopped me in the middle, and she goes, "What are you doing?" <laughs> and I said, I, "I said I didn't even realize I was doing it." She's like, "It's like very like." inappropriate she's like be aware of what you're doing and and that was i needed that i still remember it to this point she actually used the word she's like it's very provocative what you're doing provocative (laughs) that's the word she used and i was like what do you mean and she goes well you're like like i don't know she's like just keep your hands on your table in front of you it's funny i'm glad you're saying this is a good thing because i i feel like i have conversations with my children about these kind of things like hey you're talking a little too much right now and sometimes i feel bad about yeah, it that like, sounds bad out loud no i know but no no so like if, <laughs> how could you so listen like if i'm in a if we're in children. a group of like a lot of adults and my nine-year-old wants to run the conversation i feel like that's where i step in i'm like hold on like you've got to calm down a little bit and let because i feel like that is a social skill and i would to add to that and this is a i'll have a follow-up question you have been very successful in your career because of the way you deal with people do you feel like you would have gotten to where you are today without having have learned that no absolutely not i would not be where i am without having picked up those skills it's it's funny you mentioned that i was talking to my brother we're, we're talking about 
like programmers. Somehow it came up about programmers and how a lot of the IT people like don't know how to communicate. Right, like, it's kind of a joke, right? And, and it was funny because he like there was someone in his company, or I can't remember if it was someone in his company or somebody knows, but his entire job is just to be a liaison between IT and the rest of the company. <laughs> like his job is to communicate in a way that like. IT understands and also is able to communicate with the layman. This, this is an SNL skit that is it's dying so, somewhere so waiting to happen. Like he's a translator funny. for yeah, IT that's people. That's all he does is, is he's, he's there to communicate what IT needs and what IT does with the rest of the company. I think like people's skills I feel like are on the decline and I think it's such a – like if you can communicate with people, like you're going to go so much further in whatever field that is you're in. Like, right. Regardless of the hard skills you have. If you add people skills on top of that, like it's, I don't care what Elon Musk says, AI won't have people skills. Yeah, (laughs) like, like I and I think about this too. I was I was I was listening to a podcast, kind of talked about the idea that there are lots of people who are creative and artists, right? But artists aren't most artists aren't successful in general because they're not they they're they're strong in this creativity thing, but they're not very strong in people skills. And they're not very strong in like selling themselves. Yeah, like business and it's, it's the idealistic stance on things like, well, I'm not going to create work that sells because people don't understand what my work is. I have this conversation because one of my best friends is an artist and he's, he's, very, he's very successful with it. But he's very aware of what people want and what people need and he adapts his work to what's going to sell. And it's right, like, but there's some people who would say that like, like you're that's not that's not out, art. Right? Yeah, that's yeah, not art. You're, you're just, a sellout. Yeah. You're now doing this for the wrong reason. But it, but it's if silly. you were to have one skill, if you were to be a really good artist or good at dealing with people, oh yeah, yeah. you you would probably want to choose to be good at dealing with people because yeah. that will carry more in so many other different facets. I mean, I'm I'm a principal. I'm a sure. junior high principal. I taught for years, and the the skills for sure. Uh, that you that I learned on my mission prepared me more to be a principal than any class I took because sure. it's all dealing with people and yeah. picking up on those cues. And I was trying to explain this to one of my younger brothers who I was telling about a mission. I said, "Listen, I was like, you should you need to serve a mission because that's what the Lord wants you to do." And I said, "But there's also like these other benefits that you're just going to get. Like there's these other blessings that you'll just receive by doing the Lord's work that you never thought of." And I think about that too, like, and, and this is one of those examples of like just being able to talk with people and right. like. Anyways, that's good. I'm glad we touched on that. Do, do you feel like in the moment when, when your instructor was teaching you that, was that eye-opening to you? Like, did you realize how valuable that was in the instant? No. No, I was embarrassed. When, when, like, because you are being provocative, right? Because, yeah, because the way she said it was, the way she said it was a little bit, like, kind of stinging sure. at the time. Um, but, I mean, look at me. I mean, this was 20, sure. 20 years ago. 21 years ago and I remember it clearly and so when I'm up when I'm up speaking in front of my teachers now or when I'm speaking to students um, I'm always aware of what I'm doing because I need to engage and keep people's attention yeah that's awesome that's awesome um let's let's move to Australia Let's do it. Let's let's, let's just go. So, had you been on an airplane before then? Yes, well, a couple of times, not many. But this is the longest flight I'm sure you've ever been on. Yeah, it's the longest. It's one of the longest flights you can go on a commercial airliner with. I mean, you're you're in the air for 14 hours. Jeez, Louise, do you fly to into so think, Brisbane? 
San Francisco, Salt Lake to San Francisco, San Francisco to Sydney, Sydney to Brisbane. How far is Sydney to Brisbane? It's about an hour and a half. As the crow flies? Uh, yeah. As, as the that, plane flies? As the plane as flies. The, as the kookaburra flies. As the kook- <laughs> kookaburra sits in the old gum tree? Fair dinkum. Fair dinkum. Yeah. Um, kookaburras, are they the ones that like lay their young in other birds' nests and then their young get fed by the stupid birds. Oh, I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember what bird that is. That I yeah, think I it know. is cook. I think it is. And like they lay their eggs in other birds' nests and then that bird is the biggest bird and the loudest and the mother just keeps feeding that bird and the other birds just die. That's awesome. They, <laughs> food, oh they, they are a funky looking bird. All yeah, the they're weird, right? Yeah. They're kind of funky looking, but the way they sound, I mean, it sounds like a monkey or something. Yeah. And like, uh, speaking of that, so obviously you, you get your call to Australia, you're excited about Australia, but like, did you have any comprehension of what Australia was no. prior to walking off that Not plane? really. I mean, at the time, Crocodile Hunter was sure. big. So I started watching Crocodile Hunter. <laughs> you're like, as preparation, like yeah. Steve Irwin is yeah. now preparing like, me. So I get, I, I get all excited. I remember in the MTC, we'd pretend that we were the crocodile hunter, we'd be like, "Oh, crikey, we're gonna talk, we're gonna tackle this guy down, and we're gonna baptize him, mate." But That's the funny thing do. is, is your accent right now is dead on. But at that point, it probably wasn't. No, I, I definitely acquired it in my time in Australia for sure. But yeah, I didn't know a lot. In fact, you, you guys remember video stores, sure. right? I went to Hollywood Video, and they had an educational section or a travel section, and I, I rented a video. On Australia. About Australia, and I learned about like really stupid facts that I never needed while I was there. But it was kind of cool. Like I learned about the sheep industry, and I learned about kangaroos. So you were about... never able to bring up the sheep industry on no, your mission? No, the mining. Nobody cared about the like when I was trying to start gospel discussions. Nobody cared about the mining industry of the inner Australia, or nobody wanted to talk about road trains, which are super long semi trailers. You know, but. Yeah. <laughs> Surprising though, right? I know, it blew me away. Um, I mean, I was so prepared, and yeah, no, but I, I didn't know, I didn't know okay. anything. I mean, what what we know about Australia is kind of what the media sells us yeah, about. Obviously. Absolutely, it's, it's absolutely. Crocodile hunters and everything. You you really get there, and you see that it's a it's a lot. It's, it's a Western place, like here. It's everything with cro- crocodile Dundee. Like it's just crocodile stuff. That's all we know about all, Australia. All of it. All of it is wild animals and kangaroos and all that. Good um. Stuff. So you get there. Who's who's there to pick you up? Uh, the assistants to the presidents were there, and I believe it was Elder Baker and Elder Janin, who was a, a Kiwi guy. Or if he wasn't a Kiwi, he was he, his family was from Kiwi. For our Maori. listeners, is someone from New Zealand, yeah, right? Yeah, I believe he was a Maori guy. And a Maori and, and Maori people, for listeners who don't know, are uh, it's a Polynesian group that right uh, that is in New Zealand. Right, they're they're native to New Zealand. Okay, I Maoris are only in New Zealand. Right? I believe that's correct. The Maori I don't, people. I don't want to misspeak, but um, those those you'll were be canceled. I know. <laughs> I know. Be, no, no more principles. We're maybe. always in danger of that. Uh, what I just think of uh, Ricky Baker. What does he say? What is Ricky Baker? Yeah, Ricky he says Baker. I'm a I'm a Maori warrior and I'm yeah. defending my nine wives. <laughs> no got... child left behind. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. That is a good show. It is great. Um, so what what are your first impressions then of these so, two APs? Because we talk about APs can be, I don't know. I'll, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pepper anything. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna come say on, we'll stop our no. questions. What oh, what were, were your thoughts of the APs? I I. I mean, I thought they were the coolest guys on the mission. Like they were, um, they were there to greet us. As was President and Sister Oki, our mission president, 
And, um, I mean, they were just there smiling. You, you get there early in the morning. You leave at, like, 11 o'clock at night, and you fly through the night, and you arrive there early in the morning, their time. It's actually a smart way that they do those flights because then you're kind of climatized or yeah. whatever you call it, you know, with the time zones. <laughs> climatized. What, do, what would you call that? Uh, terraformed. I'm just no kidding. <laughs> I'm just I get what you're saying. I think that's fair. <laughs> yeah, mission, mission presidents there and uh, the, the APs, they, they load us into the car. We start driving to the – our mission home was called the Towers because it was on Towers Street. Oh, okay. And um, – and they weren't towers. It was no. like a house. It was a house. Yeah. An actual, actual house. Was it like a compound? Like I, I thought this was unique. It was a house with a swimming pool in the backyard. Ooh. Nice. And I was like, I'm going to baptize something. <laughs> pool, you know? So a house big enough, though, did they have you, did they have missionaries stay there in the interim yeah, before they, they got them they out? They had a family room like we're sitting in here, um, and they had cots. And so we got there that day in mid-morning. Um, and the goal was to stay up as late as we could. Like the mission president wanted us to stay up as late as we could because he was concerned about us getting on the correct uh, time zone. Interesting. Okay. Because you don't get a lot of sleep on an airplane. Absolutely. Right. Right. So, um, yeah, he, he had a, my mission president, president, uh, Gail Oakey was from Pocatello, Idaho, which is actually where I was just previously living. Right. And he was the Institute like president of Idaho state university where so, you were going where to I go. was going to go. Right. And so that was kind of cool. He, but he was such a, he was a seminary teacher and an Institute teacher his entire life. So he would do these discourses that were just outstanding. Like when, when he did that's a, districts. That's a great background for yeah. a mission president. Oh, God, I loved it. I loved when he would speak because you would just sit there and listen to him, and, and he was entertaining, and he was funny, and he was and he was like a stand-up comic. You know, He'd tell stories. And, and We've talked about there's lots of parallels between being a comedian and being a teacher yes, sometimes. Yeah. Because you're just captivating, you're engaging. And, and that's the kind of teacher he was. He was the kind of teacher that you would watch him teach, and you'd say, man, I want to be that guy. Yeah. Um, and so he, he gave us a discourse that day, uh, and I still remember him, um, you know, sharing uh, a line that I just heard in, in Sunday school or in uh, priesthood last week, which was uh, Joseph Smith teaches his followers um, correct doctrine, principles correct, and they doctrine and they and they govern themselves. Thank correct. you. So I'm so proud that I was going to tell you. I still remember what he said. And then I messed it <laughs> no, up. but you remembered the essence of it. That's yeah, the important thing. I remembered the principle of it, which is what that talk was from. Right. Elder Bednar's talk. That's what it was. Yeah. Sunday's yeah. lesson. That's right. So, um, and, and then, uh, there was a board over on the wall and there were all these pictures of us on one side yep. and, potential companions on the other side so you weren't paired up then not not on that board yet because because it was covered right so we didn't know where we were going to go yet he was going to announce it in front of everybody and that's when we would find out so when you my my companion wasn't even there yet okay so you're there just with the how many arriving missionaries are there i think there were eight of us maybe six of us and And this is the following day or this is that same first day that's the same day uh, my my companion doesn't show up until the next okay. day. And then does he interview all of you? Yes, he interviews all of us. And how was that? What were his questions? Do you I remember rem- much of it? I don't remember. Not much memorable. No. Okay. And we, I think we've talked about some mission presidents do this, but I, I don't mind it. I think yours did. Like interviews you and then like gets a feel for you and then makes a decision. I on. think that's what was happening. And, I, and, and I'd be curious too because I would assume. 
like pragmatically behind the scenes, he's got a pretty good idea who he's going to put who with. Right. And just kind of doing that last little taste test before. Right. Making sure that there's going to be some cohesion. Yeah. And maybe he makes this tweak or that tweak sure. based on But I would assume that most of it's. Yeah. Do, do you remember what food you had that first day there? <clears throat> no. Nothing. No. No Australian in and out or I just don't. You know, uh, I, the reality is is I was so tired I mean, from yeah, that you're probably flight. Just I was just was, that that part for me is a bit. I do remember standing at the board looking at all the missionaries thinking I hope I get this guy. Um, because there was kind of a chubby guy, and I thought he and I would get along. He looks like a guy that likes to eat. I like to eat. But did you get with that no, guy? No, I got like the skinniest guy up there, and he was Canadian. The the first uh, like my first year, like sixty percent of my companions were Canadian or something like hey. that, and they were all from the same like Province. area. Carson, yeah. all from either Cardston, Cardston, or Calgary, or Lethbridge, or Lethbridge. Right I had a companion from Lethbridge, and the empty. Well, there's lots of members of the church I think in that area. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, it's just up the I-15 corridor. That's it. Um, so you okay? You have that day you had interview. So the next day. Eight missionaries arrive at the house? Yeah, they all kind of show up, and we have uh, some sort of a meeting, you know, similar to a transfer meeting where the mission president stands up and he announces, you know, in the area of, in my first area, was called Bean Lee. Bean Lee. Bean Lee is how, I think it's how they said it. How is it? it, Yeah, how is it spelled? It's like B E. I N L E I G H or something like that. That's probably not right, but it's something somewhere around there. It wasn't ridiculous. spelled what you would assume. It would right. It, it looked wrong. It's not. Ben it all looked Lee. wrong. This is all. This is I think all Ben wrong. Lee is the is maybe the right way to say it, or maybe maybe that's the way I said it. So he gets up and says, in, and in the area of Bean Lee, yeah, we have Elder Chapel and Olson. Elder Olson. Yeah, so he let's was my trainer. Let's talk about trainers. Trainers are very. You remember your trainers. You might not remember every companion vividly, but your trainer you remember. Very influential. So show us. Yeah. A, oh, you got. Show, I brought some I pictures like the good here stuff. because you know that's important stuff. There's some MTC pictures here, but we're way past the MTC. We talked about. That oh, we didn't get to talk about the MTC or see the MTC pictures. Elder, there's, there's my companion, Elder Olson, right there. Let's take a look. I will you, paint you know, a picture. He's got glasses, and he looks kind of like. Uh, uh, you know, I, I thought he looked like a ventriloquist doll. A <laughs> I could get that vibe. He's got a part down the middle of his hair. Right down the middle. Well, that was kind of the style. That was the style. Then, really. Was it? Yeah. Okay. And Elder Olson was just a good, good dude. And and he's from he's from uh, Cardston, Canada. And his he he shared some things with me on my mission about his family that I thought, oh, that's unique. That's interesting. Um. And then and and then some things happened when he when he got home from his mission that he shared with me and I was like oh that's like like so his dad now is or maybe not now but I think now is like fundamentalist Mormon I was gonna say because that area is known for yeah. a lot of the polygamy well, they moved down here yeah. though they live in Utah I think mm. and and he's like practicing polygamist yeah his dad is his dad is yeah the Harriman area too I didn't know that but I. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. Yeah, I had an employee that was from that, and I had no idea. Um, so Elder Olson, he's a Canadian, good guy, good dude. Okay, so, so you guys, you guys got along thick as thieves then, like out of the yeah, gate. Yeah, for the most part. I mean, there's little things. I mean, it, it's living with like, someone is hard. Yeah, um, absolutely. And, and it's the first time I experienced that, and so there, there were little things. Like I remember he, he would joke about Utah a lot, and, <laughs> and when I was homesick, you know, I, I, I just said, dude, you know, that's not cool because like I'm kind of homesick. So if you call us all Utards, right? Um, I'm gonna have you pause. 
You tards. Yeah, so he he would you know he would say things like that. So I mentioned it to him once, and he he's like, "Oh, I'm, you're right. I'm sorry." Wait, did, did he he had said you tards? Yeah, but, but he. I mean, it wasn't even looking back. Didn't feel it. malicious, like, but, like, and he was receptive to you. With saying, tears hey, in your eyes, you said, "Listen, right, man, I'm like, I'm like sensitive. I'm you from know? Utah. Right. I, I I remember my first Sunday there. Um, I've got to share this because I remember my first Sunday in Australia." Um, we we went and visited a less active member like in our same apartment complex, like three or four doors down. Okay. And there was a, a spider in the sink. And he's like, oi, come here, take a look at this spider. Because he knew I was new. And he's like, it's just a baby. And I look in the sink, and there is this spider. It's called a huntsman, huntsman spider. Yeah. And Google it sometimes. I mean, they yeah. call them huntsmen because these spiders will pursue you. They yeah. will chase you. They hunt man. I thought you were going to say because of John Huntsman. Yes, yeah, he donated a lot of money to the Spider Foundation. <laughs> so they ch- so so it's sitting they're in huge. the they're sink. Like, they're like dinner plates, and 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 it was just a baby. It had a really big body, but gosh. small little legs. I'm seeing pictures on the interwebs. If you're listening to this podcast, you just look up. Gosh, this isn't real. Why isn't this a tarantula? And and that's my first Sunday there in, Wait, in so the evening, and I'm is- sweating, and it's hot because it's remember it's like March, so it's the it's you know drying toward yeah. the end of their summer and they are just and it's sitting there in the sink and this guy was kind of a pig you know he's like trying to find a cup for me to use because i asked him for a drink of water and this that, that was kind of a so i went home that night and i turned all my shoes upside down yeah yeah because i was like oh crap what is what because yeah. they're in a lot of homes right like huntsman's are pretty pretty common yeah, I mean, and, and this was in our apartment complex yeah. it was like three doors down yeah. from us um did you <laughs> Did you get over your? Hey, it says there's huntsman spiders in like everywhere. Though I would imagine like the like genus or species is that. Uh, okay. Um, did you get over your fear of these critters while being in Australia? Because yeah. you, I'm sure you. This wasn't your last run-in with a ginormous spider. And, and, and as I recall, those spiders are on the ground most of the time, so it, they didn't bother me as much as the ones that were in webs. What's really scary is when you're knocking doors, you've got massive spider webs with huge spiders in them, and and you could walk into them. And that's kind of scary because you don't know where it is yeah. at that point. And that happened to me a few times. It happened when I went back a few years ago with my friend Russ. We, we were walking into our hope where we walked out of an emergency exit into a massive spider web. And at that point, you're like, oh, crap, is there something? Is, is it on me at this point? Yeah. yeah. Never a good feeling. Right. So what were some of the biggest, like, takeaways for you, like, of the Australian people, that first transfer, like, getting into the area and seeing what was going on? Like, what oh, were your... That, that first ward was just awesome. Yeah. The the bishop there was, a was like, a, he was like a construction guy, just really down to earth, just a good dude. Um, just good people is what I remember. Uh, we, we did have a baptism in that first area. Uh, nice. the, the baptism is a lady named Amanda Olson. You might recognize her last name because mm. she came to Canada and married my first companion. So really? while nice. I was on my mission, um, after I had been, but out that wasn't year, her name no, her when name you baptized Amanda her. Goodall. Was her name? That's, a, that's an Australian when I met her. name. Yeah, sounds Australian, doesn't it, does. it? Jane Goodall was in the forest in Africa, so that that's the connection I made. But but that was so cool to get to teach and baptize because that really didn't happen again sure. for the majority of my mission. Yeah. So to have that experience in my first area was so cool, and I, I love Amanda. We're still good friends. Uh, she comes down from Canada occasionally and and visits and stays with us. So through that, you stay in touch with your trainer then. 
Yes. And and he often doesn't come because he runs a, a business that keeps him really busy in the summer. A, ventri- a ventriloquist business? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes, yes. He's, it's, they're really busy in the summer. He's a traveling <laughs> ventriloquist. Yeah. No, he um, he runs like a HVAC business or something. And okay. so he's fixing coolers and air conditioners. Right, and so he's right, busy, right, right. but his family will come down. And, so well, that's so, awesome. So the last time we had a false start on this, and we, we talked about it before we tried recording, but... So I know, like with with Australians, cursing is very very common. Right, like it's just part of part of was 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 that apparent to you when you got there, or is that it? It became really apparent to me in my like my last area okay. when I heard uh, like a four year old say, he, a four year old dropped his uh, car and he said, "Damn it!" <laughs> and I just I just remember thinking, okay, like that's it was just funny. It was so foreign to me to sure. hear a kid that age swear. Um, but I but there were a couple times where I had heard stories of like a bishop that you know said hell or damn right. from the pulpit. Sure. I, I didn't see a lot of it. Hell and damn were just not curse words there. Sure. And I kind of came back saying hell and damn. Right. And it took me a while. And and even when I taught a few times, I slipped up because I it just became part of my vocabulary. Um, I got married not long after my mission, and I dropped something, and I said, "Oh, damn it!" And my mother-in-law was there, and man, it was that was. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, I had just I had not, hadn't been back for my mission that long, and so." Um, anyway. so you're you're how how many transfers are you with Elder Olson? Um, to at the time, we had switched from a four week transfer to a six week transfer. That happened early on in my mission. And so I think we, you, was that a worldwide change or was yes. that just your mission? Yeah, it was worldwide. Interesting. Yeah, because yeah. it was six weeks for us. Yeah. I wonder why they did that. Oh, I know why they did it because that's a lot of work for those mission presidents. Every four to do it weeks. every four yeah, weeks is a lot. Four weeks. That's my that's my hunch. So I think I was with him for three transfers, but then the next transfer turned into a six week transfer, and then I got Elder Peterson. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anything you're in? You're still in. Beanley, Beanley, Beanley. Yeah, I'm um, saying it wrong. I know. But. It, is there anything that stands out to you from that first transfer as far as food goes in that first area or first area? Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, in the summertime, they don't like to cook a lot of food in Australia because it's just so, so hot, hot in their homes, and a lot of people don't have air conditioning. So um, we we would have salads, but they like wouldn't have salad dressing. It was just like lettuce with like cold cuts on it. It's not salad, and yeah, I mean, it was like I need some ranch on here, man. So um, and I was sweating a lot, but I wasn't really losing weight because I was was just going to ask: Were you losing weight or not? Until later in my mission, Um, I I think I lost a little bit of weight from riding the bike and stuff like that. I mean, and there were some hills in that first sure. area. I, I remember kind of cursing people who – I remember cursing that Hollywood video that I watched that said that it was the <laughs> flattest continent because I was like, flattest continent my foot. <laughs> you had a bike there then. Did you um, – you didn't have a purchase a bike ahead of time and send it there? They just had bikes for you there? Yeah, they had a bike for us there that I think our parents sent money for. The bike was made by a member of the church, and the bike was actually called the Liahona. And it had, a, it had a little <laughs> emblem of the Liahona on it. I think it was made by maybe a, a member of the church in the South Pacific that, like, had some sort of a contract. And so if were, you weren't righteous, the bike would, like, run oh, you into a wall or something? They were the worst bikes. And maybe that's why. <laughs> maybe I needed to change something. But I went through three or four Liahonas while I was on my mission. Jeez. Yeah. It's okay. Nephi went through a couple Liahonas yeah, as well, I know. You know. Um, so that's funny. I... I think biking, I always think biking would have been a lot of fun on a mission, but then at the same time, 
there's something nice about just leisurely walking. So, like, being on a bike, sometimes it's, like, it's work. Like, you can coast down some hills, but if you have to get somewhere, like, a bike is still, it's a lot more work than just walking. Yeah. I think. Am I wrong by thinking that because i think to myself like yeah i'd love to bike but then when i bike now i'm like like like, even it's a small hill it's like oh gosh you get off that bike in australia and you would just be dumping with sweat yeah it'd just be hot well that's another thing then i didn't feel like i was in any state to be like talking to people they're going to someone's home this like sweaty fat kid from america's (laughs) there to like hey you guys want to learn about jesus (laughs) so how how was the work like do you remember when you got there was it what you expected it to be um, uh, I think we tracked it a lot more than I thought. I th- I think you thought you'd be teaching more. We were, yeah, we were tracking twenty plus hours a week, no matter what. That was the bare minimum. You had to track. So you were measuring you were measuring it by hours. Yes. Okay. And then we would have like calls weekly, and th- this was back in the days when we still had the the six discussions, discussions and so it was yeah. a little more structured that way. When you know, preach my gospel came along, I think it turned a little more. Kind of you guys decide more, yeah. but but on my mission, the standard was you will knock doors at least twenty hours a week. Um, do you, because of your cool um, story about deciding to serve a mission, did you share that much? No, in fact, I think maybe sharing it with you guys is one of the few times I've shared it with anybody other than my friend who knew about it, and yeah. Um. Because I, I just think the, those those testimonies of when I come back to it, it's always the Book of Mormon. That book, the Book of Mormon, is going to help people change, and that's that's what I've seen in my life. People read it, they pray about it, and that's going to send them in the right direction. Um, do you feel like there was um, there were a couple of main things that people objected to in general in Australia, or was it just a handful of a bunch of different things? Or no, it was mostly just apathy. Just you know, when, when you're going to a, a first world country where people have jobs and they're mostly happy, they don't need anything. And so I, I don't feel like those, I don't, I feel like the people we came in contact with just were like, I'm, I'm all right. You know, that, that was the response we got. The response we got most was, oh, she's right, mate. Or, that's exactly what Matt, that's what Matt would say. Yeah, like, yeah. like got, or they'd say, you know, like, I have my own religion, but instead of saying that, they'd say, oh, I got me own mate. You'd hear that so much. Like, oh, I got me own mate. And what that meant, what that meant was, I, I have my own religion. Sure. I don't need yours. But yeah. they didn't really practice. They yeah. were just like, oh, I got me own. And Matt was saying that they were perfectly like accommodating and friendly and nice, but they just wouldn't. So nice. Yeah. And, and sometimes you'd be at a door and you they'd be like, got me own. She'll be right. And you'd be like, all right, um, hey, I, I see that you have this picture on your wall. And they would talk to you for like 30 minutes. And sometimes that would lead you get to you get in the inside. Door. Yeah. yeah. It's that first step of love, like we were talking about with your grandpa. Yeah. Is that showing them that you love them and hopefully that can get it. Because it is, it, is, it is jarring to show up to someone's door and be like, hey, I'm going to talk to you about oh, religion right now. Yeah. It, it, and it's what you got to do. I'm not saying that's bad, but I but it, obviously it's 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 short sales as opposed to long term sales. Long term sales are always, I, in my opinion, I, that's what I would rather be doing: building a relationship, that long term relationship over time with someone, yeah. than having to sell someone quickly right. on something. Get in the door that first, yeah. And it, and, it, and it's so hard because and it, and it's exactly what you're saying. 
but but you can't just walk up and be like, oh, it's a beautiful day, isn't it? Because then that's just like weird too. Because it's like, dude, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like you got to start and tell them what you're doing here. Right. But then sometimes, or almost all the time, they're going to send you away, and then at that point, you have to find a way to make make yourself more approachable. Was was anybody like? ever aggressive or anti about it or just that apathy you described? Oh, like the vast majority were just the nicest people that just weren't interested. But, you know, three, four, five percent were were pretty rough about it. Did you think that stemmed from their previous knowledge of the church or was it something else? Uh, just being bothered, okay. maybe. Yeah. Um, a couple, you know, I had, I had a couple anti-people that I came in contact with. I, I remember one time we were knocking doors up and down a street and there was a guy working up on his roof and the second he saw us, you could tell he was like excited. He was going to get us, you know, he was going to talk to us. And um, so he like went down his ladder, he went inside and he found some pamphlets from his church and he was waiting for us. We could see him the whole time we were walking this block. Like we walked down and now we crossed the street and we were coming back to his house. Man, he was excited. You could see it on his face. He could not wait. He was going to put us in our place. And um, we just walked right by him. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, don't you guys want to talk to me? We're like, no, nah, she'll be right. <laughs> and he's like, but I have these pamphlets for you. And, and you like, said, no, I good. have me own. Yeah, got me own. Got me own. Yeah, um, that's so funny. Do you? What percentage of people? like knew about the church or had any, did most people like, cause I know in the United States, like, yeah, people know who the Mormons are. People know who the missionaries are. What percentage of people in Australia? I think people recognize the figure of a Mormon missionary, but didn't really understand what it meant. Like what, what percentage of people knew who Joseph Smith was? Oh, less than five to 10%. Okay. Yeah. Which that could be helpful. Yeah, totally. Because I think once they got to know you, once they got to know me and they were like, oh, you're just a, you know, a lot of times I'd say, hey, I'm from America. I'm here to share this message with you. In my American accent, people would be like, well, that's interesting. You yeah, know what I mean? The, just the fact, the the novelty of yeah, it. Yeah, you're all the way from there. But some people wouldn't like that. Like, yeah. oh, you're coming from here. So you know, it was like, oh, well, my companion here is from Canada. You, know? <laughs> you want to you talk about a more boring place than America? <laughs> well, we can talk about Canada if you want. How often would you contact in your Australian accent? Uh, almost never. Uh, but there was a couple of times when I tried. So to when would you on. practice it? Because you're really good. Like oh, Matt, yeah. Matt, who we interviewed, is really good. I think you're... I just think you're a, a little just bit a half step ahead. Of I that. think you're a little bit better. You're the best Australian accent of a non-Australian that I've heard. Well, that that is a huge compliment, and I got to tell you, it's hours and hours of work weekly, alone <laughs> in front of the mirror or in the shower. Um, no, I, I've I've traveled back there. I love Australian culture, so I love and 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 I'm lucky now because like we have Netflix and there are Australian movies and there are shows. And I just I watched Mister In Between, and it's really good. I see. I haven't seen that Mister In Between that one on out. Netflix. It's an Australian hitman. Is it funny? It's like a dark comedy. Okay. I'm all over that one. <laughs> it's good. It's really good. Australian, Australian spider in it. Oh boy, well, good, good. Australians love dark comedies. I I remember being on a bus going to my second area, which was called Rockhampton. It was like a 30 hour bus ride. Not maybe not that long. Maybe it was 12. I know, like to the top of Australia. If you went to Cairns, the highest one up there in our mission, like it was like 40 hour bus ride or something Jeez. like that. But I remember they showed a movie, and you know, obviously, I'm going to watch it. So I'm watching this movie, and it was just like so dark, and I'm like, "What the heck? <laughs> like, what's wrong with these people?" That's funny. Uh, do you feel like you picked up on their humor pretty quick, though? Like, do you feel like you could 
be personable because I, yeah, I, I know there's because yeah, I know there are people that have problems like in Guatemala. At least I had I had companions or people at certain mission that had a really hard time adjusting to just the it, it wasn't dry humor in Guatemala, but it was a different humor. Well, let me ask you guys this because I I was thinking about this. You know, I was kind of thinking about oh, what am I going to talk about? You know, um, and so this morning I was kind of thinking about it. But do you think countries or a culture? Or do you think countries or a culture have their own sort of personality that is a kinship to each other? Yes. Yeah. I think, and I think so too. And and if if you were to like kind of, and I don't want to be stereotypical, but if you were to say, what are most Australians like? Um, they are laid back. They have a sense of humor. They aren't going to get too worked up over yeah. stuff. They're they're not going to overreact. They're they're not violent. They're, I mean, they're a little playful. They're a little too playful. I mean, addiction to alcohol and things like that within the Australian culture and, you know, cursing and being foul are things that are, but it's often, it's often to try and be funny. It's, it's not to try and be a jerk, you know? And so I remember at some point, and this goes back to your question. I remember at some point sitting in a district meeting about halfway through my mission and looking around the room at all of the missionaries who were all kind of like smiling and like we were having fun. And, and I remember like looking around thinking, holy crap, there's a reason why we are all here together. Like there's a reason why all of these missionaries have a common thread. And it's, we had to come to this place because this is how these people are. Like I'm a laid back class clown kind of a guy. And I got sent to Australia and a lot of people that I was there with had some similar traits to me. Yeah, we, we weren't serious, super serious. But but I don't know. Maybe that's just maybe that was just my thought. But that was the thought that I had was, man, there's a reason why we're all here together, and it's because this is what these people need, and that's what Matt is. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm saying. Like it's just, I think it's cool you, you call that out. I never thought about that perspective, but I think that's that's so true. With with your with your accent now, like if you showed up in Australia, would they see right through it? Like we think it's good, but would like a native Australian be like, "What are you doing, dude?" I th- I think they would. W- one of my son's favorite things for me to do is to go through a drive-through and talk and speak the whole time with an Australian accent. You know, so I'll go to Jake's over the top in Ogden and I'll be like, "Good day, I'd like to order." Uh, you know, one of your milkshakes. Uh, I'd like to get the chocolate banana, um, and I'd like extra chocolate in it, please. And I'd get up to the window, you know. And um, I'm I'm up to the window. This is like a year ago during COVID. I'm up at the window, and the guy's like, "Oh, where are you from in Australia? I used to live there." And my son is like eating it up. He's like, "Oh, good luck, Dad," you know. And I'm like, "Oh, I'm from a, a place called Brisbane. You probably never heard of it." And he's like, "I used to live there." And I'm like, "Oh, crap." But I held I held on pretty good. I kept I kept the act kept up. It going. He said, "Your he's like your accent's still so strong. Like, what do you do to keep it strong?" Because he's like, "What are you doing here?" And of course, now I'm lying. So I'm admitting <laughs> I'm admitting on the, this the uh, podcast that I'm a liar. But I'm like, "Oh well, you know, I came here to go to to go to uni, and I went to Weber State over here, and uh, I met, met me wife, and uh, and I just settled down." And he's like, "Oh, you've kept your accent so good." And I'm like, "Yeah." Yeah, I keep up on it pretty good. Like, what do you say? You know what I mean? I, I, I like to think that an Australian who, you know, maybe, maybe I'm lucky. Maybe an Australian listens to this. I, I think Was he like a like, return missionary, maybe? No, his dad worked for some company that brought him to Brisbane and lived there. I mean, that's what funny. are the odds, yeah, right, of funny. all the people? He made a good milkshake, by the way. 
So, so but with that though, I mean, obviously you had some success on your mission. So, what do you think was like what what led to that? And I guess another, like an, a follow up to that is obviously we talk about like how do you measure your mission? And I think for a lot of people, it's especially people going to Central and South America, it's really easy because you get caught up on the numbers of baptisms, um, and in a not like a high number baptism mission. Like, what was your sense of success, and like, what were you guys really excited about? Man, I got excited when I could invite people back to church. I, I felt like in Australia, um, I needed to be more focused on retaining yeah. members. Um, and, and, and I didn't, I didn't do this, but I built a relationship with a family in my last area that, um, I just love this family and, and they got baptized. So we reactivated and, and I give a lot more credit to my previous companion because, I mean, my companion that was there um, was Elder Garfield. Um, so he probably did more of the work on this because it was early on when I was there. But I retained that relationship with that family. And, you know, they have a son that went on a mission. He This, this guy who was inactive baptized his two kids who were both teenagers so you know that's and, awesome and now awesome. they're they're ve- they're a very active family and they're awesome and 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 uh, this guy's name is uh, Ian Taylor and he's a truckie which is a truck driver in Australia truckie yeah, I like cuz yeah or like if you're a if you're like a Harley guy if you're a biker you're a bikey you know cuz there's nothing that sounds tougher than a bikey but but he's a truckie and we're still great friends um we we were texting back and forth over Memorial Day weekend and I'm planning a trip to go back for Christmas, and we're going to spend some time with with his family. With the truckies. With the truckies. I told him, I said, I want to go like on a truck trip with you. And he's like, oh, I don't think you can handle it. <laughs> Maybe I could. Maybe I could, Mike. What you know, happens you know? on the truckie trips? It stays on the truckie <laughs> trips. How far into the mission was it until you had your first interaction with Vegemite? Uh, that first area. I would imagine that. There's first there's week a picture of me right? in that very first book of me eating it, and I'm just like retching in disgust. And it's still not good, right? Oh, it's awful. Like you never decided, like, oh, this is great. Yeah, I'm I'm like, nope, I didn't like it. Now the Australians will tell you you need to. Uh, in fact, it might not be in there. I might have taken it out when I I did do a presentation. That's why I'm missing a few pictures. Um, but but uh, it, it's like a I don't know. It's like a concentrate of like barley or something like that and it's just nasty but i'll tell you this uh, in one of my areas in an area called toowoomba uh, my companion and i uh did worked with like the youth groups like you know the the oh I, I think i got the school program. oh no this is a tim tam slam anyways continue yeah that, there's that too there, am I, is it that picture right there which one i've got you tim doing tam a tim tam slam, slam. Uh, yeah, but not. Really I've got you. Tim Tam. There it incredible. is, right there. That's, oh, that's my you? first taste, right there. In that. Yeah, you don't look happy. Yeah, no, you don't it's look terrible. Happy. I think I went and spit it up afterwards. There might even be a picture of me throwing it up next. But oh, there's a picture of you over the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's, yeah. Honestly, that's what happened. So there's my answer. Right, a picture is worth a thousand words. But but we did this like in this at this youth place. It was like Big Brother. You know, we we would go and play basketball and stuff with these kids in Australia. We made treats for them. And one of the treats was like sugar toast, which is butter with sugar on it. And so like cinnamon toast, but just sugar. And the other one was butter and Vegemite. And they bring out these two massive platters. I kid you not, the Vegemite always went first. And we're talking kids that are between 7 and 12 years old. No guile in those kids, but they sure, gosh dang it. They, it's just so gross. Like I have a hard time, I don't know. I, like is there anything in American culture that we eat that other people are like, 
Oh my! Like everything. We, yeah, yeah. It's very sugar, very like maybe yeah, overly giant, sweet. Every giant soda that we drink. Yeah, our, but that's our not gross, dude. Ounces of Coca Cola. That's not gross. Gro- no, it's pretty gross. It's gross to think about, but when that hits your taste buds, that's Anybody not that's gross. Anybody that's not accustomed to that and say, "Hey, you want to drink a thousand or a hundred ounces of cola?" It's pretty disgusting. But like, like, hold, hold on, I'm gonna push back. If you just took a sip of that, though, they, I don't think they'd hate it. What I'm saying is, like, the taste, yes, we overdo it, but, like, just taking the initial, like, sip, you're not like, oh. I remember I remember there was a Summer Brazilian. nights at Fizz. Oh, like, I'm sure you're like. <laughs> or, like, I don't know. Like, I just don't. Anyways. There was there was a Brazilian guy. He was, I think he was in the, their version of the Navy, and he had, they did some inner exercise with, with the, like, the American Navy, and the Americans had made barbecue beans, like, Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. And he thought that was like the weirdest and most terrible thing ever. I'm okay with that though, because I don't love baked beans. <laughs> but baked beans are delicious. Like they're us, fine. Yeah, he's, yeah. Like, yeah. They're like, he's like they're like sweet. Oh, yeah. He's like, I don't know why you guys are doing that. Yeah, like, because it's very different than Brazilian beans. It is. Brazilian beans are great. They're so delicious. Oh man, Tacanos. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, go. <laughs> um, I, I was going to ask about um, the. Did you ever serve outside of so your first area? It's it's a suburb of Brisbane. Yeah, it was in the Gold Coast zone, but it's really a it was like halfway in between, and and it was mostly you know urban with a little rural. I mean, we definitely had areas that were rural, but we had to bike out to it because that first area was a bike area. And but so my follow up was going to be: so did you serve in places that were more bush? Yeah. Um, a few areas. Rockhampton was a lot bush. It was just hard to get out there. And then, and then, you know, you talk about yards in America where you know you have a half acre or whatever. You'd you'd walk a good city block in between houses when you went out to places like that. So it just wasn't effective, really. Sure. When when you were attracting, but sometimes you'd want to attract. I mean, I mean, I'm not saying we were lazy, but sometimes it was kind of fun to go and try to do something different. Yeah, have, yeah, breaking oh, yeah. up the monotony. Yeah, exactly. So we would ride our bikes way out to these places and pack a lunch and do it. So you'd still have never had a car though at any in any of these. No, areas. I did. I had a car in Toowoomba because uh, I was with the zone leader up there, um, and that was nice. And then in my the area after that, I was back on a bike because I was a trainer. We whitewashed a, a place uh, called Sandgate was the name of the, and it was a little beach town. Um, and and then and then from there I went to my last area and I was in a car that whole time. That whole like six months. Oh, okay. Do you do you remember there being a stark difference between the people in Brisbane and the people out more in the country? Yes, um, and it's just like here, you know, much more conservative people out in the country. Um, people were more friendly. Everybody was friendly in Australia, but people would be more apt to talk to you, to give, to give you some time to talk to them when you're out in the country. My last area was very uh, – Rockhampton was pretty urban, or I'm sorry, rural, because it was like – it was the beef capital of the southern hemisphere. Funny Why story, have I heard of Rockhampton? I don't know. It, it's on the Fitzroy River. It's about 45 miles to the most beautiful beaches you've ever seen in your life, which, of course, you can't do anything with because you're on a mission. <laughs> I thought you were going to say because of sharks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, that's why they have that in the White Handbook. It's those sharks. Yeah. Right? <laughs> um, but Rockhampton was cool because they had all these abattoirs, slaughterhouses. 
Oh. And, and most of the meat I thought you was, mispronounced Avatar. <laughs> yeah, well, I probably mispronounced Avatar. I think I did, in fact. So Avatar is a, it's a slaughterhouse. slaughterhouse. Yeah, a processing place. And it's in an episode of The Simpsons, by the way. Um, hmm. And they, they, they paid homage to all the cattle in Rockhampton by having these massive statues of cattle everywhere. But the problem is, because I told you that Australians are lighthearted and, and kind of silly people, is that the, they would remove all of the uh, manhood from the statues. <laughs> now, they now, would include those on the statues, though? Oh, yeah, well, because, not? you know, it's you want to be anatomically correct. correct. But, yeah, the, all of the, the boys would be missing, and there'd be just a piece of rebar hanging down there. And we're talking <laughs> cement statues. Like, you'd have to, like, fill up the back of a pickup truck. And I don't know. I mean, who's driving around with a chain ripping the boys off of these cattle? I don't know, but I've got pictures in here. I'm just thinking in my head because I just I was telling you I removed cement from my backyard this past week. I don't know how you just take a sledgehammer. And look at look at right swinging. there. Welcome to Rockhampton. There's a picture of a big bull. That must have been a new statue because it still he's has still boys. Got his junk yeah, on there. he still's got his boys. But this, I mean, I'm not kidding. There were statues all over this town missing missing the boys. <laughs> And I thought it was that, the best. Just for listeners, that statue is is it's a giant, statue. big. It's the size of a, a full size van. Yeah, it's a little bit larger than the scale, right? I mean, that's bigger than what? Yeah, well, or maybe could, it oh, is. It's, big yeah. cows down there. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, Mike. <laughs> if the spiders are big, the cows are they, bigger. They grow them big, Mike. But uh, but yeah. Did you so, did you did you like the beef? Did you feel like in that town though? Did you ever have beef from there and feel like, oh man, this is. Yeah, I mean, it was good. It was good. Most of the beef that was produced there, I think, uh, was exported to Japan, actually. Interesting. What in the and world? China. Because, they, because remember, Japan doesn't have the, the space that Australia does, and right. so they exported a lot of their beef. Because it's small. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say something else, and then I was going to feel dumb. He's like, I have no idea why Japan wouldn't have <laughs> that many cows. And you're like, because space, like, oh, that makes sense. Um, Brought. <laughs> What? <laughs> I thought you were going to say something like, well, because obviously the religion in Japan, like, and I was, I was following you, and then I was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Rockhampton, so what else happened in Rockhampton? I feel like there's a story in Rockhampton. Uh, what's the story in Rockhampton? I don't um, know. Why do I know Rockhampton? I don't know. I, I loved Rockhampton. It was, my companions there were awesome. I had two awesome companions in Rockhampton. We worked, oh, I, I know what it is, but I'm not going to share it here. <laughs> I nice. think I told you this story. It had to do with where we did service. Oh, here, I won't share the details of the whole story, <laughs> but this is the gist of it, okay? We did service at the Australian Red Cross sorting do- clothing donations right across the street from the hospital in Rockhampton. And um, one time I pointed to that building and I said, oh, that's where we do service. And I pointed to the Australian uh, Red Cross not knowing that the building next to it was a fertility clinic where they took sperm donations. <laughs> and there, there's, I think I told you that story. I never heard that one either. Oh, okay. Well, but I like there, there was that one. I like that story. Because the member anyway. that I was with thought I was pointing to the fertility clinic, and she's like, well, what do you do there? <laughs> and you're like, well, I don't know how to explain. <laughs> what else we do? Yeah, it's a blood like, place. You know, we just go spend a couple hours. <laughs> Um, that monthly allowance doesn't go far enough. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so that was kind of a funny story about Rockhampton. That is funny. Um, do you, so you said you had Canadian companions. Do you remember having? I'm just talking can, companions in general. 
was there well okay first question what other places were your companions from in general um so a couple from utah um elder uh, peterson was from utah rural utah um and then i had uh three from canada all from i told you those areas i had one from australia from melbourne i had one from the cook islands oh uh, Takai. Uh, he was from and he was he was a good dude he was the guy i trained um, but he was from New Zealand, but via the Cook Islands. Because New Zealand kind of turns into, when you want to uh, immigrate, a lot of people go to New Zealand and then to Australia. Because it's easier to immigrate from New... It's easier to immigrate to New Zealand and then, then go to Australia. Australia. Oh, okay. But, Australia. But, so, there's a, so New Zealand is a very diverse place with people from the islands. Because they, they take a lot of people from the islands. Hmm. Um, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to go through the rest of my companions. Um uh, I, and then I did have a companion from New Zealand, Elder Nawaka, who's like one of my favorite people in the world. I was going to ask, do you, do you feel like, because some of my favorite companions were um, natives, right? And right. do you feel like you got along best with companions from here or there, or just depending on the individual? Just or? De- yeah, just depending on the personality. I, I got along really well. In my mind, I got along really well with most of my companions. Did, is, um, was there a companion that you felt like there was tension with at any point in your mission? A little bit, and I feel bad about it. Toward the end of my mission, and and it was a little hard with some of my companions, and I think it was because I was getting ready to go home, and they were getting ready to stay, and I my mind was somewhere else. I mean, I worked the hardest in my last area, I, I think. I mean, I really loved those people, and so I wanted to work hard. But, um, but no, I didn't, I didn't really have any, a little bit with Elder Takai when I was training him because that was such a big job for me. And I think I wanted to live up to, I I needed to be myself more, um, than, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, you're a trainer, so you got to work harder. Right. And so I kind of tried to live up to this standard that was probably even a little too much for me. And I, and I kind of turned a little bit robotic that way. Um, do you... Do you remember any interactions you had with, um, well, so did you have the same mission president the whole time? I had two mission presidents, Elder Oki, and then I had um, um, Elder Fox, or President Fox. At what point did that transition take place? About, I had Elder Oki for the majority of it, and about the last eight months, eight to ten months, I had Fox. So what was that like? What was that transition like? Um, well, you, you're going from a guy that was a a, uh, a giant, spiritual giant, doctrinal giant, because he was an institute teacher and all this, to a guy that was a convert to the church, but is one of the sweetest men you would ever meet in your life. Love them both for different reasons. Where was President Fox from? Uh, from Maryland. He's from the D.C. area. And... Um, Man, I mean, he was a convert to the church, right? So he thought missionaries were, yeah, everything. I yeah. mean, he like, I mean, I'm not going to say he worshipped missionaries. And then but, he realized right. there's lots of bums. He's like, <laughs> you guys are 19 year old idiots, right? I felt bad for him. I really because I would look at him and he just loved the missionaries. And then I think sometimes he was surprised by how stupid they were. Yeah, and we talk about that. That's sometimes a realization you come to as a missionary of like. 
oh man, lots of them are idiots. Yeah. The church has to be true. The missionaries would have learned, ruined it long ago. Yeah. Isn't that just the best quote ever? And I yeah. totally agree with it, especially now that I work in education and I just see how stupid kids are. <laughs> Hashtag, hope you're listening, Brad Vance. <laughs> we love you, Brad. I'm just kidding. We love you. Oh, he doesn't Vance. listen. He's got a good name. So, I mean, <laughs> with, with other missionaries we talk to, like, there's kind of like a revolt against a new mission president because they do things differently. Do you feel like that was, was part of the transition or no? A little bit of that was going on. Okay. I, I have good friends in the mission that weren't com- my companions, but people that I respected that that just couldn't accept this new mission president. Hashtag not my president. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know why? Like what it was that, that that brought them to that? Well I think I think sometimes in life we sort of we use people to gauge what somebody is supposed to be like. Yeah. And I think President Oki was a doctrinal genius. And then you, you have this guy that joined the church, you know, a little bit later in life and didn't grow up in the church. And there are just some differences. And so I think for them, but man, you didn't, you, all you needed to do was spend five minutes with President Fox to know he was the most genuine, loving guy. This is how nice this guy was, okay? In, in Sandgate, I biked a lot. We, we didn't even live in our area. We lived like five miles outside of our area. (laughs) And I was still a hefty guy. And I was riding my bike so much, and I was so heavy that my knee was hurting me. And I told my mission president that. um, And then not long after that, I had to go visit a doctor. And the doctor said I had pretty bad arthritis in my knee. As like a 20-year-old kid, you know? It's crazy. And so when I told my mission president this, he invited me to his home for dinner or for lunch. And and this is weird because when you're when you're used to the previous mission president who you know I love as well, yeah. he was very formal and a little more distant in yes. my opinion. But President Fox wanted to teach me how to eat healthier. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he put me on a diet. He and like presents food in front of me. He's like, "See this food? Yeah, Don't like, eat it." Well, <laughs> I had to eat. I mean, this diet that he gave me, though. I mean, I lost like fifty pounds in my last area. Really? And I learned how to eat healthier. Wait, wait, wait. So what did he do? What did he tell you? It was all cracked wheat. It was like old man, like you know, like keep yourself regular kind of stuff. Interesting. And so I would eat this oatmeal for breakfast and lunch, and then I would eat whatever the members fed me, and I'd try to do it in moderation. And I, I went home skinny. I mean, if I show you pictures of me when I first get there and then pictures when I go home, you'll be like, yeah, you did lose some weight. Listen, um, I maintain the 60 pounds of weight I lost by eating a very small breakfast, very small lunch. So you I can just see think... I, in that picture, I'm standing with my last companion, Elder Nawak. Oh, yeah. You can see I've lost quite a bit of weight. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things about the gospel is it does it like it allows for that. Like you you have you know a doctrinal genius and I don't I don't know what what President Oki was like but obviously the man knows how to teach. I mean that's that's what his profession is. Absolutely, yeah. And he's a mission president and he he was able to do great things for you guys but then you also have a man that's humble and 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 was a convert to the church and obviously knows the value of it as well and they can both do great things as a mission president. I think that's one of the cool things about the gospel is there's so much room for every personality and, and different type. And you and weren't offended by this conversation that, that, that he had with point, you yeah. about his about your weight? 
No, I, I kind of joked about it with my friends, you know. I was like, yeah, I, I went to the Wait, so park. was your companion there with this? Yeah, with you? yeah. So um, he... actually, actually, it was the zone leader because my knee got so bad that the doctor recommended I not ride a bike for a couple of weeks. Oh. So the last two weeks I was with Elder Rancy, who is my companion from Melbourne. Elder Rancy, yeah, he Elder Rancy was a funny dude because so like, he was a rant because like a biker is a bikey. He was a Rancy, he was a Rancy, which would be like what Rancid? He's, he's Rancid, know. yeah. But yeah, um, Elder Rancy was from uh, uh, Melbourne, and he was uh, he liked to go to clubs before he went on a mission. So like when we were out when we were out knocking doors one time, this like car drove by, and and in Australia it always felt like it was like like techno music yeah. and i'm like what even is that and he's like oh i love this song and i'm like dude what is this even like what are these words like there are no words to this song he's like oh it's a good one mate like, all right buddy um but yeah so so i was with the zone leader because we had to do kind of a split and right my buddy bill miller went to rant went to be with rancy and i had to go be with where the car was and so I think it was him that brought me to the mission president's home, and he just laughed. Elder Gale was the zone leader, and we just laughed about it. And then, and then I would kind of joke. I'd be like, "Yeah, he put me on a diet," and they're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah, but you know, it's cool." So I'd, I'd kind of like laugh it off or whatever. I was never offended by it, and I loved him and trusted him so much, and knew that he loved you. Right. That exactly. he had your yeah, hundred percent. He was he was looking out for me, and so I went on this diet. And by the end of my mission, me and Elder Nawaka, we'd go out for runs uh, in the morning. There you go. And, and you know, I, I, like my goal was, I'm going to go home looking good. You know, I'm going to go home and get married and look good. And, and mm-hmm. it, you know, I kind of felt empowered because Elder Fox believed that I could do this. And, and I'd always been chubby, so it was kind of cool. And That's then I awesome. came home and gained a bunch of weight and got married. So. <laughs> Not in that order. It's a circle of life. Um, right? Well, I was just. I think that's. I think there's a lot to that. I think. If you take every conversation you have when someone's trying to correct you as something that's positive, there's a lot of growth that I think we miss out on when we take offense to what people are saying. And I think a good, healthy person mentally, right? A good, a good, healthy mindset to have is, is someone who is willing to readjust the way you see things because of what someone else has told you. And he tells you like, Hey, maybe you're having knee problems because of, your weight. Well, and that was funny too, because he's like, how much do you weigh? And in Australia, you could like, you could say you weigh kgs or you could say you weigh stone, which is a stupid, I don't even know what that means. Mm -hmm. But he's, I said, I said, oh, I I weigh like, uh, you know, like 92 stone. Why would you, wait, so you understand kgs? I didn't understand. I said, yeah, like 92 kgs or whatever. And he's like, and he even said this to me. He's like, and how much is that in pounds? (laughs) And I told him like, well, you know, I'm pushing like 200 or whatever. And he's like, oh, that's too heavy. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's like, you need to lose some weight. And, and I just loved it. Like I was like, like I actually kind of liked retelling that story because it was so funny because he, that was just who he was. He was very like blunt and and matter of fact about it but he also but it's not like he called you out in front of everyone it's not like he scolded you like he brought you in like he brought you in and said hey it wasn't a vain thing like it wasn't like you don't look good it's it's, no it was this you you have a physical problem and this is probably going to help this will help and it did help too like i was in a car the rest of my i was gonna i was gonna well (laughs) But but we would go ride bikes and stuff. Well, no, I was going to ask you. Did, yeah, did you? Did Gimpy. you? <laughs> the, the town they transferred me to when I got when I had a hurt knee was called Gimpy. <laughs> True story. My favorite area of my whole mission, uh, Gimpy. Did, but yeah, did your knee feel better after you lost the weight? Then, yeah, like al- almost. 
Yeah, very quickly. And the hard thing is, too, is like the word of wisdom opens up for like, take care of your body, like do these things, right? But it's a very sensitive thing to touch on. Oh, and yeah. so that's why the brethren never get up and are like, so listen, y'all need to lose weight because it's like, you can't just say that well, kind of thing. But it's still a principle of the gospel. Coming off those evenings at SIP or whatever. Fizz. Fizz, yeah. You're in, the, you're in a Fizz town right now, This buddy. is This one's owned by fizz. fizz. I actually had never tried until I student taught a late and high. I had a student go get me a... What they offered, they said, can we go get a fizz? We'll bring you back one. I now know that's not what you're supposed to do as a teacher. I was a student <laughs> teacher. <laughs> like, yes, please. But no, I, I think to your point, like, yeah, as Americans, like, we, we, we over, like, it's over the top. It's too much, right? But Yeah, but putting you on a high-fiber diet when you're a missionary also has its challenges. I, I, <laughs> I remember talking, when, when they were teaching me how to make this special oatmeal with cracked wheat, which they bought me some and everything to get me started, um... I remember asking Sister Fox, like, you know, with eating all this stuff, is it going to, like, mess with my digestion? And she was like, Sister Fox was one of my favorite people in the world. But she was like, it'll get your motor moving. (laughs) (laughs) Now I know what she meant. Or not long after I knew what she meant. That's funny. Um, I was going to ask about um, uh, First mission president, what was his name? Oki. Oh, Sister Oki. How was Sister Oki? Sister Oki was awesome. She 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 also had an awesome sense of humor. I mean, it, Elder President Oki was so funny that she was often kind of on the side, not right. saying a lot, but she was she was very uh, serious, but also very funny. And and I have a few moments where she kind of like. <laughs> where I said the wrong thing in front of her, and she was like really witty and quick about putting me in my place, and I love that about her. Yeah, I was gonna ask. So, yeah, what was kind of her role? I, I, I guess I've never really thought about this much, but I remember my second mission president's wife took on the role of being like the mission nurse. Like, kind of took on a pretty like um, interactive role with the elders and with yeah. the sisters. Like, was very. I don't know, but I just thinking about it, like, I'm like, I don't know if all mission presidents wives are that way, but so you want to talk about like life skills. I still remember a lesson like sister Oki would teach us these like little quibs, these little, these short little just thoughts and ideas about how we could be better missionaries. And one of the lessons that she taught us, she brought some tennis balls and she said, okay, elders, we're going to play a game. And she threw a tennis ball to one of us and said, was that fun? And we're like, no. And she's like, well, what do you need to do? And we're like, well, I mean, if we're going to play a game, you got to throw the ball back. You know, so whoever caught the ball then threw it back. And then she caught the ball. And then she's like, this is how your conversations need to be going when you're out in. And, and it was more about being in members' homes for like dinner appointments were called tea appointments. Sure. So she's like, when you're at tea appointments, you need to keep the conversation going. So let's give an example. If somebody says, how was your day? You don't just say, good. And then don't say anything. You say, it was good. How was your day? Look at these social lessons. This is is awesome. And and what I honestly think is like, I remember some of these lessons the most in my life. That's like such a good lesson, like a good object lesson. Like that's great. And and I used, I did this with my son, who's a 13 year old boy and who needed it. I threw the ball to him and I said, but he wasn't ready. Hit him in the face. Yeah, I hit him right in the nose. (laughs) 
No, but that's good. Yeah, but but he he gets it. Like, and my son yeah. is like a good little conversation. He is. He is. I have met. I have met Dax. Yeah, and he is an officer. He is an eighth grade officer. I was a little nervous the day when he was running. <laughs> Brad, had, he had no faith in his son. <laughs> but my son will never hear this, but I remember going into Eric's room, and I think I was in your room when I found out. You were in my room, Because yeah. I was like, oh, I, I was planning what we were going to do in fear that he was not going to make office. Yeah. I was like, what should I do tonight, Eric? And he's like, well, maybe. You did axe throwing. Didn't you do axe throwing? Yeah, but no, we, we, went, we went to this place called Smash It, and we broke oh, yeah, stuff with right. an axe. Well, he ended up winning, so it was like, oh, well, I guess. You're like in celebration. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but I think that's. That's awesome. I think that's really cool. Um, do you? I, I I see you have some pictures in here. There are some sisters, like sister missionaries, in some of these. Yeah. What percentage of of your mission um, there, were sisters? There were like a hundred and eighty missionaries in our mission, and I bet twenty five to thirty were sisters. Okay, that seems about ish, like what it was. And what was their reputation? Well, at the time, <laughs> some sister missionaries could be viewed as a little bit annoying. Sure. Because they were, I don't know, probably smarter and better than us. Yeah. More mature. We're definitely more mature. We've all come to, we've come to that conclusion over doing this podcast. It's like I mean, you're dealing, because now it's different. Today is different. Totally. Because you have 19-year-old girls serving with 19-year-old boys. Like they're on the same level. Whereas in the past, it's like. I don't. I didn't have a lot of sisters that were twenty one. It was usually they finished their degree and were like twenty three, twenty four, yeah, and yeah. then on a mission. So they were much older, like much you could more be responsible. An teacher right now, but you're out here in Australia. Be honest. Be honest. I want you to be honest here. Did you ever utter these words? Oh, she just went on a mission because she couldn't get married. I never did. Oh, you liar! <laughs> I me, never did. Me neither. Yeah. Just wondering. <laughs> Asking for a friend. <laughs> yeah. I've heard. I've heard. I've heard. Um. Like older people that I respect say things like that. Yeah, and 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 I don't know how much. And there might have been some truth to that in the past, sadly. But I mean, there there were sisters. There's a sister I forget her name that I served with who was awesome. Like we all like loved her. Right. And and I don't know if it was in her case ever that it was like she couldn't get married. She just really wanted to be there, and she was a lot of fun. But yeah, the thing that I would say is they. They all seem to be a lot more mature than us. Yes. And I love the sister missionaries that um, I served with. I, I still remember some of them. I'm, I'm not really close to a lot of them. I'm, I'm friends with one or two of them on Facebook. And so we keep in contact. Um, one of them lives in Pocatello, and she bakes bread all the time and says, I'm baking bread if anybody wants some. And I kind of wish I lived closer. But <laughs> You've never <laughs> driven up for some? Never. You know, I should. I should to get my that, Harley and ride up there. Get some get potato milk or whatever. Potato chocolate. Was milk. was there anything like food related that you missed out on there? Like, was there like was pizza good, or was there something you craved from back home that? Yeah, there there were like milk. Like, I wanted milk that was cold. The milk was cold, but they kept it they kept it warm in the grocery store yeah. on the shelf, and yeah. then you'd have to go put it. And it just didn't. It doesn't. Taste the it same. doesn't make sense how they do that. Well, same with eggs, right? With eggs that you keep it. I just think it's the weird FDA being over abundantly cautious. Hey, I was listening to Mediator podcast this yeah, week. Yeah, this one. That's a good one. Yeah, and he kind of talked about yeah. how like things can get moldy. Doesn't mean they're like you're going to die from it. Like you're not going to die from it. There's things that go like we're just yeah we have the FDA saying like hey abundantly hold on. cautious about yeah. stuff. Oh, my mom is notorious. She'll be like I. 
just because that date's on there doesn't mean we can't eat it. Like, <laughs> my mother, my my, my like mother-in-law says all the time. My mother-in-law says all the time because of like I think it was an emergency preparedness training she had though that said like certain things are good well beyond expiration date, and then other things it's questionable, right? Like chicken or fish. Yeah. You know, take your chances. Yeah. yeah. Um, is there? Do you remember eating um, exotic things like? It's kangaroo exotic. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, I, w- I would say kangaroo is exotic, and and to be honest with you, I don't remember ever eating kangaroo or crocodile. Around, like um, you see them. Yeah, you see them everywhere. And like deer, like or even deer, more, more than, than deer, deer. Probably okay. um, you'd see them in because parks. they don't scare off like deer. Yeah, and and they can be dangerous. I mean, some of them. Like I remember seeing a red kangaroo one time with one of my companions, and that sucker was. I mean, it was eight feet tall. Yeah. And um, there, there's a story of a couple of missionaries in Australia, and who knows if this is true. This is probably, you know, mission folklore. Yeah. It's a real thing. But these missionaries were driving down the road, and they were they were going to go take a picture with this kangaroo, and they approached it, and the kangaroo started to hug him. And they're like, oh, this is awesome. This is fun. It's but, a nice kangaroo. But really, when a kangaroo is ready to hug you, it's putting you in a headlock, and it's going to lean back on its tail and kick you. And, and according to this story, you know, these these this guy, this Australian drove by, he's like, get away from that thing. It's going to attack. <laughs> and, you know, I, I doubt that that's true. I like that this story – I want to imagine that this story actually happened that – he sees two missionaries doing it, and he knows what's happening. And he's like, "I got, I got to warn him." Yeah. <laughs> he's like yeah. yelling out his window, yeah. like. <laughs> but the reality is, is if an Australian guy saw a couple of dumb Americans doing he that, be he'd laughing. be like, "I'm going to pull over here and watch this play out, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, what's going to happen next here? Oh, he's going to get his clock clean." These, are, <laughs> these are truisms, though. There's, there's a, there's a. I was listening to someone talk about truisms, like porcupines don't actually shoot their needles out. But if you live by that principle, you'll still stay safe. Right. So the idea is like that story might not have happened, but there is a truism behind it that if you live that that story is true, you probably won't get beat up by a kangaroo. Right. Like urban like urban legends, right? right? Like, you know, don't go park or else the hook man will get you right. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like um what's your what's your, <laughs> your go to mission story? Go to mission story is the one that I shared when I concluded, when I left on my mission, I shared my testimony. When I came home, I shared this story. Just the real quick version is we were teaching this young... You don't need to do a quick version. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. Here we go. <laughs> do whatever <laughs> version <laughs> seems natural. We were teaching this uh, girl, and I don't remember her name, but she was our age. She was only a few years older than us, and this was in Rockhampton. And the mission president was to be coming and visiting with us soon. And if the mission president is going to be there... By dang, you're going to look like a good missionary if you bring an investigator to church. And we had been teaching this girl for a while, and she was kind of cute, you know. I don't know if that was Mission Goggles talking or what. For those who don't know, Mission Goggles are when you've been out on your mission for a while— Every girl roughly your age starts to look attractive because you know you're you're at the age when, yeah, you're of age when attraction is when a attraction thing. is an important thing. So so my companion Elder Robinson and I are like we, we got to get we got to get this girl to come to church with us right, and we didn't know her that well and she was a little crazy like she she was kind of a crazy girl I don't remember what or why she thought we thought she was crazy but I remember just thinking there's something not right about this girl mm-hmm. but who cares. Let's get her to go to church. It'll make us look good for the mission president. And so um, the mission president's going to be speaking at district conference in Rockhampton that Sunday. Big deal. 
we cart this girl in. We 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 sit on the front row, right? I mean, we're right there. Like the deacons are here, we're right here. So she is sitting right next to me, and my companion sitting on my right, and I'm up smiling, looking at the mission president, like, man, look what I've done. I've brought this girl to church. Well, um, she is doing something like not paying attention or doing something to make me think, oh, what is she doing? Like, you know, pay attention. Like, I don't know what she's doing, but I don't remember the detail of it. But I remember that I kind of leaned forward like this in my seat and my hands are on my knees. And I'm looking up at the mission president and he's speaking and and I'm kind of smiling. And oh, no, it was during a song because I remember he looked at me. And I'm kind of like leaning forward like this. Well, all of a sudden, I feel this light scratch on my back. Oh, jeez. And and I'm like, oh, my gosh. This is not good. Like, what do you do? Like, do I tell her to stop right now? The mission president's like looking at me. And it's going on. It's going on and on. no, I'm not gonna lie, like it felt kind of good, but I'm at sure the same time, I'm like, I'm like, don't touch me, kind of thing. And I'm like, I, I I'm just, sure mentally it doesn't feel good. Oh, because like mentally, like what's going through your head is like, like, I, like all the implications of this, everything, because everybody's watching me, right? Because you're in the, because you're in the front, like yes. everyone behind you, like all members, and the, the mission president, yeah, the I mean, every, all in my mind, all eyes are on me. And I, and I didn't know what to do. So for like maybe – and it's not like a long time, but for maybe like three or four seconds, I'm just like frozen like a rock. Like I am just like <laughs> stiff and tense. And I turn really quick and she's just kind of sitting there like this. And there's this like five-year-old little girl who's leaning over the pew behind me scratching. <laughs> so in, in the end – I was thinking way too highly of myself because Chubby Elder Chapel was not getting loving from the girl next to him. That's so funny. So that's kind of a go-to, and and I I love telling that story because it was, you know, it was kind of funny. That's so funny. That's so funny. Um, Whatever happened to that girl? So this is kind of funny. So uh, Elder Robison got transferred away, and then I got Elder Wolf. And then I got transferred down to Toowoomba where I was with the zone leader and Elder Robison was there. And we were on trade-offs one day and I was with Elder Robison, my old companion. And and it's kind of even weird that we were in the same zone because that didn't happen all the time. But we were just companions, you know, six weeks earlier. And so we're catching up, having fun. It was like the first, like my first week there. Mm-hmm. And we're in Toowoomba, which is this small little town on the outskirts of Brisbane. And it's kind of up in the mountains. It's a beautiful place. But it's like, honestly, it's like a 20-hour bus ride to Rockhampton. It's like, like honestly, it's like, you know, Austin, Texas away from sure. you or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it is far away. That's crazy. And there she is walking down the street in Toowoomba. <laughs> and Elder Robinson and I are like, holy crap, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, I just moved here. And Toowoomba kind of had a reputation because there was a state mental hospital in that town. <laughs> and so to us, everybody was crazy. Including her. And like, she like, moved. So, so we were like, dude, that's why she's here. It's for the hospital because there's crazy people here. That, but that not is, everybody in the town. No, but that, is, that, that, that situation is crazy. Oh, it's yeah. insane because yeah. then here's this girl. Or that in my, yeah, yeah, it was weird. 
And then you just said, "Hey, goodbye." Yeah, and 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 we were way more excited to heat to see her than she was to see sure. us. I do she's, remember she's that. Like, I moved because away we, in these because we were like, elders. "Holy crap, what are you doing here?" She's like, "Oh, I moved here. Well, see you later." And we're like, "Wait, we're we're like twenty hours away from where we last saw." And in her mind, she's I thought like, you oh. scratched my back at one point. <laughs> yeah, like scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And I I remember like. Yeah, I, d- I just remember like it was also weird that we were together because we were on trade. Exactly, together. right, right, right. And so right. the fact that she saw us together, I'm sure she was like, "Oh, there they are again, that together, like always." Yeah. Um, I was gonna uh, one more thing back on just mission, I guess hierarchy. Um, was was there a natural progression of leadership in your mission as far as like you're a junior companion, you're a senior companion? district leader, zone leader, AP, or was it more of, we've, we've heard a little bit of mixture of oh, both yeah. in missions as far as like some missions, it's, it's very much like you can become a zone leader and then you'll just be a senior companion or be a district leader. Like the assignments are just kind of made willy nilly. Whereas in other missions, it's very much like this ladder that is climbed right. by no, missionaries. I, I totally know what you're saying. And, and I think the, the standard was usually like you were an AP until you went home. Usually, yeah, right, right. But there, but there were there were occasions where somebody was an AP fairly early on in their mission. Um, Elder Nordfeld is one that I could think of that was my zone leader in Rockhampton. Then from there, I think he went down to be AP. And then after he was AP, like his last six months or whatever, he went to Gimpy and trained a guy. And I just thought that was weird. Like, you mm. went from being AP yeah. to, like, just a trainer. But it really, I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right. And, he, and he, he, you know, you couldn't have been trained by anybody better, better than, than, that, than that guy. So it made that sense. Because yeah. he's just, he's just a, was a rock, man. He was just a good dude. And so I think, I think, man, that guy was lucky. And he was trained in Gimpy, which was, like, the best place in the world. Why was Gimpy the best place? It was a small town. It was, like, small town. I just come from a beach town. Uh, called Sandgate where I had trained and like I said it was spread out and it was far and Gimpy had a car and but but the reason why I loved it was because it was it was a small town but it had a ward it didn't have a branch most of the most of the smaller towns had a branch but Gimpy had a ward and it had a bishop Bishop Scott who kind of reminds me of Michael Scott um (laughs) He owned he owned a like a chocolate distribution place. a paper company. So this is of course when I was trying to lose weight, and he's like, "Yeah, Elder, you want a box of Kit Kats?" And I'm like, "Son of a bee! Like, what, what? 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 How did I end up in in like the perfect ward where I can't eat this chocolate?" But Kit Kats, man, the mint chocolate, oh, dark chocolate yeah. ones. See, that brings people together. Yeah. we used to polish those off at the end of the school day. But yeah, Gimpy was just man. It was so much fun, and there were there were characters there. There was like. Brother Pooley, who taught me how to play golf for the first time in my life. And there were the Tremackis that owned, there was a whole clan of Tremackis. One of them was the stake president. Um, just and, a clan of Tremackis. Yeah, just a whole bunch of Tremackis. <laughs> um, but, but like they owned a strawberry farm. And, you know, their neighbors were also members of the church owned a strawberry farm. And they gave me as many free strawberries as I wanted, which I cut up to put it in my, you know, your, your cracked in my, my cracked wheat. Um, but yeah, Gimp, Gimpy was a special place. I, I went. I plus the Taylors were there. That that's the family that that got reactivated while we were there. And um, it just it seemed like you know how like you'd go to wards and you'd be like, this is this family is the family yeah. that the, like the go to family that you wanted to go to for dinner appointments and you wanted to hang out with. There were like ten families like that in Gimpy. 
And, um, and it always smelled like coffee because there was a coffee factory there. Mm. And so in the mornings, it just smelled like roasting coffee. So that'd be beans great. And, I love the smell of coffee. Yeah. And I, and I, and I liked it too. It kind of smelled a little more stale because sure. of the humidity or something, okay. but it was, just, it was a cool place. Um, and then I was going to ask, as you were talking about that, can you real quick tell us the story of, um, elect, elect, electrolysis? Electrolysis. There, I won't mention her name because she's the sweetest lady in the world with the name Sister Smuff. <laughs> I had to say her name because it's fun to say. <laughs> um, Sister Smuff was from New Zealand and she had a really thick, thick accent. And she, um, she was, a, she was older. She was probably like almost 30. And she almost had almost 30. You said she was older than almost 30. Well, well I was 20. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then, okay. Okay. So okay. for a sister mission, I got gotcha. you. It's kind of older. Um, but she was, she is a beautiful singer. She could sing, but she would go and get electrolysis on P days to, because she had like kind of a hairy chin, I guess. It's <laughs> so, so I remember as a zone leader, I remember calling her. I'd be like, hey, Sister Smuff. And I'd, I'd speak in my New Zealand accent. I'd be like, Sister Smuff, what are you going to do tomorrow? Are you going to go? We want to come hang out with us? And she's like, oh, Elder Chippel, that's so nice of you, but I can't go because um, I have my electrolysis appointment. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Sister Smuff, just cancel it. Come with us. And she'd be like, and she knew I was mocking her, right? She'd be like, stop mocking me, Elder Chippel. You're such a mocker. Stop mocking me. And anyway, I still remember like we did this like thing where we sang and she got up and she sang beautifully. But she sang this song and it was like, my testimony. And I don't know why, but like whenever I think of Sister Smuff, I think of her singing the that song. And then I would like when we'd have her in the car because we'd like go give him a ride somewhere. You know, and um, I'd be like, my testimony. And she'd be like, Elder Chippel, stop mocking me. I wonder where Sister Smuff is. I love Sister Smuff. She's probably, you know, keeping away from mochas. Yeah, she doesn't like a mocha. <laughs> I, I got a picture of her singing. I'll show you after we're done here. You took a picture of her singing Absolutely, my testimony. because I wanted to always remember her it, singing. Is there anything else, any other story, anything you want to mention before we ask our wrap-up questions? No. Are you sure? I I will say that um, the mission for me was hands down the most life-changing thing that I ever could have done in my life. I I come from a family that I love very much, but it's dysfunctional. I mean, I had a sister that knitted me a tie to wear on my mission while she was in prison. I mean, not everybody has that story. I mean, addiction and mental health runs kind of rampant in my family. And I still love my family. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we kind of put the fun in dysfunctional. (laughs) And and my mission put me in a situation where I could be successful in life. And I learned lessons on my mission. I shared some of them with you. And and you know what? I'm going to be honest. It wasn't always about the gospel for me. It was about learning how to get along with different people from diverse backgrounds. It was about learning how to speak and communicate with people. It was about learning how to love people that are hard to love. It was about learning how to serve people. And even this year, that's been one of the harder years of my life, a first-year principal in the middle of a global pandemic. Yeah. Those lessons with an awful Spanish teacher. With with a Spanish teacher that just up and quit on me. Um, but 
I, I, those lessons that I learned on my mission prepared me to be successful in my career and to be somebody who can get along with other people. To quote Joseph Smith from, I don't know if he actually said it, but in Joseph, Prophet of the Restoration movie, when they're like serving and helping that old lady and she's like, I don't care much for your religion, but I do appreciate your service. Your service. And he says, well, some would say that is our religion, ma'am. And I think like what you're saying, like those things, maybe they're not gospel. I think those are gospel principles. I think loving, learning to love people, learning to get along. I think those, the Lord cares about you and the Lord cares about... I remember listening to the head coach of Navy football as a member of the church, and he's on the Meet the Mormons movie. And he talks and he says, you know, I know people say, like, well, the Lord doesn't care about football. And he's like, and I think that's true to some extent. And he said, but this is also my my job. And he said, so I pray about it. I think the Lord cares about my job. Yeah. And the Lord will help me out. And I think the Lord, you know, yeah, he wants you to go preach the gospel, but then he wants you to, he's going to bless you on the back end and make sure that you're a successful person. So I think that's all part of it. Um we're going to wrap up with our questions. Do you ask the first one? Do I ask the first one? You ask the first one. Um, is it the what? Wait, I, I don't even know which I, one's the first I, one I, now. I think it's the advice question is what we should do. Okay. I think that's the good If one. you had... Okay, what what were you... I know you said you were worried about the MTC. This is, this is a good one, and then I'll do the um, last one. If you were... So if there was anything else you were worried about serving a mission, what was that? And what should you have been worried about, realistically? I was most worried about making it through the MTC. I was most worried about being able to cope with being away. I wish that I worried more about building my foundational testimony because I think that would have made, I think I would have been a better teacher on my mission. Uh, but but that came, and and if you're not quite there yet but you're wanting to serve, I think that will come. Yeah. And, and I don't think it's important that you feel like you know everything. So I, I would just say it's focus on preparing yourself spiritually more than I've focused preparing myself mentally. Good. Okay. Um, last question then is what advice would you give to any future prospective missionaries? Man, make the best of it. Because um, my, my favorite scripture, and I'm, I'm definitely not a scriptorian, but my favorite scripture is Adam fell that men might be and men are that they might have joy. This gospel, this life, everything that we do here is meant for us to find joy and to experience joy. So for me, joy means to smile, to have fun, to make the best of every situation. If in your mind you think going on a mission is sitting through Sunday school, it's not because yeah. Sunday school for me, I'm going to be honest with you. It's kind of boring. Yeah. You're in the Sunday school presidency. As I well. am. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. Maybe not for long, um, but, but yeah, I, I, I think we've, I think we kind of think, man, church is boring. Church is not boring. The gospel is not boring. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the most exciting thing that we have to, to experience here on this earth. And sharing that with other people and watching them experiencing joy is the best thing that we can do. And, and I say that full knowing that I'm not where I need to be right now in that realm. Like, I have work to do. Sure. Um, but you, you, every once in a while, you have a good friend that will come along and help prod you. And so even if you're not going on a mission, be that missionary. Be 
be a Eric Castro, who's a teacher in my building when I'm a print, when I'm his principal and is coming to you and saying, Hey, what do you think about this podcast? Or what do you think about that? He's not ashamed to bring up the gospel to somebody that he knows is receptive. Mm. And that's helped me this year. And so thank you. That's nice of you to say. Well, I mean that though. And and I mean that for people who are listening, like be that person who's willing to share, share something with somebody who, you know, you're kind of going on a ledge to do, you know? Well, I think even like being your friend who, while he didn't last more than three days, like, he got you out. Like, just be that person that invites and is bold and says, like, hey, you should you should go read the Book of Mormon and serve a mission. Yeah. Have, have you seen that? What's that new church movie that's All, out right now? The, missionary, the Missionaries. Yeah. The Missionary Stories. Yes. The mission, mission, mission Stories. stories. Yeah, mission Stories. Yeah. In, in, that movie, in that movie, the the guy converts the kid, and then the kid that he converts ends up converting him back. You know, my, my friend had no idea the impact that he would have right, by, right. by being bold. Yeah. Be bold. So that's my advice, I is like be it. bold. Um, Perfect. Okay, that's awesome. Any, anything else? I, we, I, I feel bad because now I kept thinking of, like, we have, a, we have like, would you go again? <laughs> yeah, but I think... I like our questions we have now better, answers. though. Yeah, it's yeah. always the same answers to those questions. We should have asked your, your grandpa, though, if President Nelson asked you to serve a mission again right now, would you go? He would have done it. <laughs> Think Lindy's scared? That was a question we, we we would ask at the end. Like, if President Nelson said, hey, Brad, you need to go to Australia right now, would you go? That was one we, we asked. But everyone, I mean, everyone we asked would, most of them would say yes, right? right? Right. But, like, in my head, like, asking your grandfather who's 94, like, hey, would you go? I'm sure he'd say yes. Lindy yeah, would say yeah, yes. Yeah, Lindy would if you that. asked an Australian, they'd say, oh, she's right. She's right. <laughs> He'll be right. And, and then you, own. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Brad Chapel, Elder Chapel, served in Brisbane, Australia, 2000 to 2002. Yep. All right. Perfect. Thanks. Hey, she'll be right. Fed income.